Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up on today's show, we'll be joined by Sully Ingalls of Cake in Wichita. He's made the way down from Topeka to Wichita. Our old friend of the show will stop by. Looking forward to chatting with him. Got plenty to discuss when Sully joins us on today's show, so you will not want to miss out on that. Thomas Bridges out this week. He's uh, handling some personal business, so we're certainly thinking of Tom, and I hope to hear back from him next week. And uh, so that means whenever Tom's out, we get more Brian O'Connor, Coach Bo, as uh, you always hear from him for Coach Bo's football fix later on in the show. And we'll still have that for you. But now we get him for the whole show today, the Darth Vader of the Jones Report. That's what he calls himself. Uh, Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, uh, that's quite the reputation you got to live up to now. Uh, you know, I, I know. I, I was just talking to you off, off screen about the whole uh, um, Star Wars thing, and, and I've always said I've had a, some kind of a kinship with Darth Vader, but uh, I don't know that I would define myself as the Darth Vader of the Jones Report. Uh, that's pretty good, though. I like the way you, you plugged that in there. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, it's always a pleasure. And uh, hey, thinking about Thomas, and I hope everything's well. And uh, keep the seat warm for him for a week. He'll be back here in uh, no time. And uh, I'm sure everything will be just fine for him. Uh, stay I, warm, buddy. Yes, yeah, stay warm indeed. And uh, that's that's part of the other ordeal. Uh, and, and Thomas actually might even just explain it all next week. So um, but I might just have to introduce you that every time as the Darth Vader of the Jones Report. That might just stick. I, I don't know if that'll stick. We'll figure out something. <laughs> we'll, we'll come up with something for you. Uh, if you if, and I could talk off air later. If you're the Darth Vader of the Jones Report, what does that make me? I, I don't know. Would it make would it make um would it make Thomas the Luke Skywalker? He he whines a little bit, you know, once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've always thought he was like a like a Chewbacca or something. You know. Um he's kind of a sidekick. I can I can see that. Yeah. Oh, I should be talking about some Chewbacca in He makes a lot of noise, you know. I mean, <laughs> he's got some growl to him at times. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't know what I would be, what that would make me. Uh, but I'll, I'll have to think about that. You're, but nonetheless, well, you're the Obi, you're obviously the Obi Wan Kenobi. Okay. I'm Obi Wan. I love it. I'll take that. I can be Obi Wan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I get the green lightsaber. I can work with that. Uh, I think a better, I think a better fit for me. If we're all going to be the good guys here, that we're all Jedi's. I think that Mace Windu is a better fit for me. <laughs> if you think about the uh, the language thing, you know, you know, I'm the guy who likes to drop a lot of f bombs around here occasionally. <laughs> oh, that you do. We'll see uh, how many of those come out tonight on uh, today's show. But nonetheless, uh, Bo, this is always a strange point in the year when uh, we're now over a week away you know, removed from football, which just makes me sad. Um, yeah. I, we, we are going to have like some FCS football in the spring. Uh, so that, I mean, that's gives me at least a little something anyway, football wise, but you know, the NFL off season yeah. is always entertaining, but there's nothing like the real thing. Like I'm finding myself just trying to find something to catch on. I've been watching the Australian open this week. I love the Daytona 500 last Sunday. Uh, Michael McDowell with a big upset victory. That was awesome to see. But there's just nothing that that gets me like uh, like football right now. There's a void in my life right now, Bo. Yeah, I like to say that sports wise, I'm a, I'm a I'm a stick and ball guy. You know, I like I like you know games with the ball and games with the sticks. So uh, you know, football and baseball are my two favorites. So this time of year for me is hard because 
I don't watch a lot of basketball. And, uh, you know, I, I always joke with my wife. She's a huge KU basketball fan in particular. And I always say, look, I, you know, I, I don't watch basketball till football season's over. And I mean that I don't really watch a lot of basketball till the Super Bowl is done <laughs> and then go from there. Um, and, and I tend to watch more of the NBA than I do college just from not being originally from the Midwest. But, uh, you know, the, the last few years I've become a little bit of a, a Jayhawk adjacent, if you will. So with the wife and the kiddo and the, all their involvement with KU. So um, a little more of that here recently. But um, it is a hard time, especially like right now, you know, we're, we're still still living in a COVID world. And so we're distracted and we're wondering well, now, at least for someone like me, who's a baseball guy, thinking, are we going to have a real baseball season? You right. know, so, you know, I will, I'm excited for that and hoping that baseball season gets here so, uh, sooner than later. But um, that's why I think we talked about, you know, Coach Bo's football fix. It really is kind of my fix for the week. And where I turn out to do, do now is now the nerd part of me of football comes out. You know, right. salary caps and structures and contracts and, and then going back and watching certain games on NFL Network and looking at the different things that are happening in the game, I guess a little bit of nerd comes out on me, but it really it's just kind of the fill the void. Right. Yeah, I think you're right about the it's kind of that fill the void time. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of golf. Uh, NASCAR is kind of cool that they do, you know, their version of the Super Bowl, if you will, at the beginning. Yeah. Daytona 500. Um, so it, that's cool to watch. I have always enjoyed the Daytona 500. I uh, didn't yeah. get to watch much of it this, this past weekend, but, um, you know, so there, there's little things that kind of get you by, but it's tough. Yeah. Well, and, and here's something for you, Bo, my, my Sunday routine. Now, this is where I, I have a changeover of sorts. So, uh, you know, I watched Daytona Sunday and it was phenomenal. I love the race. A lot of these, uh, salty Chase Elliott fans out there are, uh, saying it was a bad race. I think it was just simply they're just saying that because Chase Elliott didn't win. Um, but, you know, it was a great race and, you know, it took a while. But now I'm at the point of the year, Bo, where my Sundays, I'm flipping back and forth between whatever PGA golf tournament's on and then wherever they're racing NASCAR at. And I'm sleeping, you know, middle of the afternoon for about an hour or so. And then I'm coming back and catching the finish of those two things. Um, when football season's here, there's no nap time. There's none of that. No, no, no. I'm watching from when kickoff starts at noon until the very end of the Sunday night game at 10 30, 11 o'clock or whatever. I mean, it's, it's just feels like a different lifestyle, a different routine of sorts. Yeah. You know, and, and right now, you know, I don't know, you know, everywhere we're, we're at, you know, you're in Omaha, I'm here in Lawrence. It's, um, it's very cold. So we cannot go out like I like to go hit some golf balls and go play maybe on a Sunday. That's something I'll do over the next few months. But right now is like a big time void on my Sundays. <laughs> I don't have much of a honeydew list because we've been home for the last year. So right. oh. it, you know, as long as Mama's happy, I guess everything is okay. But I really don't um, know what's going to happen. Right. Hey, uh, as long as the business is taken care of, uh, that's a good thing. But you mentioned uh, with basketball, and, and I guess that's where we'll start today. And it's just one of those things where it's like, well, I guess we'll do this. Um, right. You know, at, at this point, you make a, a very interesting point about uh, for most folks, basketball season doesn't start till after the Super Bowl. Now, they've been playing college ball since Thanksgiving Day. And they've been playing the NBA since just before Christmas, but most folks have not sat down and watched very much 
basketball in that during that time frame. And now it's almost like I have to catch people up to speed of some sorts that have not been around in this process just to let people know what's going on. In particular, the Big 12, Baylor is very good, um, undefeated, in fact. Uh, not playing too many games right now, those Baylor Bears, uh, because uh, they've dealt with some COVID issues. Gonzaga is very good, and uh, they're undefeated right now and uh, have been phenomenal this year. And then everyone else is – you know, it feels like a bunch of also rans right now. So there's kind of your, in case you're just now joining us as far as, you know, watching college basketball, that, that's where we're at right now. It's Baylor, Gonzaga, and then pretty much everyone else. And uh, there is a very popular bet that's going on right now that's been posed out there of would you take Gonzaga and Baylor or the field? Now, the field is still unfolding of who will be in that 68 teams that will make the tournament here in a few weeks, and we're going to have plenty of more time to dissect that over the next few weeks of who should make the field of 68. But as I sit here today on – what is this? It's the 18th day of, uh, of February. Yeah. Um, you put a gun to my head and you tell me uh, the field or Baylor and Gonzaga – it may sound crazy, but I would actually take the Baylor and Gonzaga bet right now. I know that my mind, you know, I, I probably should take the field, but it just seems at this point that there's been a significant gap between those two and really everyone else at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it almost feels, Bo, like what we've seen with women's college basketball over the years of, you know, hey, it's UConn, maybe Tennessee – and then, you know, everyone else is just fighting to hope they make the Final Four or something like that. They don't really have a shot to win the championship. Or maybe in college football where it's Alabama, Clemson, and everyone else here. That's kind of the feeling I've gotten to this point in the year about Gonzaga and Baylor just on top of everybody else right now. Yeah, you know, um, that's a really good way of looking at it. You know, you talked about comparing it to women's basketball, UConn, and it was Tennessee. Tennessee's kind of been replaced by South Carolina. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I was surprised. This is how little I follow college basketball while football's built. Two or three weekends ago, this was to call it early January. So maybe a little, maybe more than a couple of weeks ago now. I'm uh, at home it's a Saturday afternoon and I'm going somewhere and I'm leaving and my wife's watching the KU game. That's the way you're just watching the KU game. And I said, well, football season's not over. So you're not watching the football team. <laughs> says, well, no, the basketball team. I was like, okay, um, you know, stupid me. I didn't realize it was a basketball game today. And uh, I said, well, you know, and they, and they were losing. They were losing big. And I went, well, that's strange. And she says, yeah, they're not as good this year. And, and I've always been the guy that when, they, when you predict, you know, you make your predictions, you know, who's going to win this, who's going to win that. Look, I just pick KU to win the Big 12 every year. Until they don't, why would you pick against? Sure. And I didn't realize that KU had at the time four losses at the time. How many losses do they have now? Um, as of tonight, as of the time we're recording this, KU just beat uh, K State and they're on a four game winning streak. Might I add? Okay, how many the, losses uh, do they have now? The Jayhawks are now up to uh, five conference losses. Uh, putting them at 16 and seven overall um, and 10 and five in the big 12. 
And uh, just over a week ago, KU was uh, was in sixth place in the Big 12 standings, and they have worked their way in a week back up to second in the Big 12 now. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean you think – so, I just got to wonder, is it just, you know, kind of a downtime, you know, is it – Maybe is there is there COVID effects on, the, on this team more than others as far as, you know, our kids homesick or, you know, in basketball, you can have that, you know, where one or two kids gets affected by, you know, the blues and all of a sudden it affects the output of an entire team. Um, I really couldn't give you a good reason why they're not playing as well as they have in the past. But, you know, I looked at that and was like, wow, that kind of struck me as, as strange because I'm just used to them losing, what, two, three games a year always winning their conference. Right. You mentioned yeah. earlier about kind of having to, to teach people where people are at. I don't have a clue. I know Gonzaga's number one. They're probably going to be number one going into the tournament because they don't lose much in conference. You know, they don't play in the, the you know, in a strong conference. So, you know, I mean, if you said somebody, you pick, you know, take Baylor and Gonzaga or the field, I tend to agree with you a little bit. I think my gut feeling is, though, I would take the field just because of the numbers thing, and I'm a numbers geek. So, right, give me six, six opportunities to win, even though really, what do you really have, 12, 13 of those opportunities? Right. I still like 12 or 13 versus two. So, right, just numbers-wise. Yeah, yeah. I, I just – I don't get into it the way I get into football. I, that's just a personal deal. And, people, sure. and some people are the direct opposite. They love basketball. They don't watch football like that. That's, that's right. fine, too. Everyone has their own thing. Right. Um, yeah. this, this, this is a weird time of year, sports-wise. Oh, it and well, and, and uh, you know, if the tournament started today, your top four seeds would be Gonzaga, Baylor, Ohio State, and Michigan. Barring something crazy – happening in the next couple of weeks, more than likely that's going to be your top four seeds is those right there. But I think we're talking about a lot of movement when it comes to the other seeds below that over these next couple of weeks. A team like Kansas just a week ago was looking at being a six or seven seed potentially. Now with the run that KU has been on the last few weeks, maybe they worked their way into the top four seeds somehow, you know, in that top you know, in a one, two, three, or four, something like that, or not, not a one, one or two, obviously, but being, you know, a, a four seed is not out of the realm of possibility at this point. Um, you know, Oklahoma has emerged and turned into looks like a, a, a solid three seed. Texas, um, you know, it's kind of in a make or break mode of sorts for Texas right now. Either they can rise up a bit and get back to that two line, or maybe they can fall down to a five. There's some, a leeway of sorts there. West Virginia kind of, you know, at this this passing point. Texas Tech, same way. What are you going to do these next couple of weeks to make a statement, um, you know, to, to get those wins that you need to for that seed line? Oklahoma State, probably at best of seven, at worst uh, a 10 or 11 here. Um, these next few weeks are fascinating when it comes to seeding. I think you look at the Big 12, I said on last week's show, Bo, that this conference is pretty set on having seven teams in the NCAA tournament at this point. Um, but the seed lines, you look at these next few weeks, um, when you have these you know, last few regular season games, you know, four or five regular season games, and then the conference tournament, this thing can really fluctuate. A lot could happen here in these next couple of weeks. And COVID being the big factor in all this too, 
Um, you may have five games on the schedule, but how many games do you really have when you factor in COVID-19 and stuff too? A lot to uh, figure out here these next couple of weeks for really everybody in college basketball here. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, it's something else uh, as far as that goes. And you mentioned Kansas. Uh, one, one question uh, I'm very curious about with this team that I, I would pose to the folks out there, something to think about. Um, is, uh, you know, sure, they're on a four-game winning streak. Things are going good for KU. I get that. But who'd they play? K-State, uh, Iowa State twice, you know, the two bottom teams in the Big 12, uh, and Oklahoma State, very good team. But at home, nonetheless, last week, sure, Kansas is on a, a streak and, you know, up to 16-7, and 10-5 and five in conference, you know, second in the league. But uh, – I'm, I need to see more. Uh, this Texas Tech game coming up for uh, for Kansas is going to be crucial, um, you know, to see where they're really at and such. Uh, I, I'm, the, the way things have gone for KU, and, and I know that there's – you've seen this, Bo, too, even casual fans see it, that Bill Self tends to have a turning point when, when things do go right direction of some sorts because this year has been so average, not to Kansas standards. Uh, I'm not ready to just go all in and uh, and say that everything's back to normal here. I, I need to see them beat some quality teams before I can buy into this group just yet. Yeah, I, I see where you're going with that. You know, my thing is with, with KU is I'm never going to count a Bill Self coach team out, especially here in Lawrence. And, I mean, there's a reason he's won that thing so many times in a row. Um, I mean, he's clearly not going to get it this year with being that far back of Baylor. But – um, you know, it's the hell of a run. He's a hell of a coach. They get great recruits. You know, sometimes this isn't your year, but the thing about it, I think really with coach self this year is, you know, his teams tend to do play better at the end. I mean, they're a team, they're teams that every year, if you watch, they play a lot of non-con games, you know, early. They're usually in the big thing in Chicago. Um, the tip, one of the tip off deals, yeah, it's or, classic. Or yeah. They go to Maui. Yeah. Or they go to Maui or something like that. And, Sometimes they'll drop a game. They'll drop a game against a, a really top quality team, and but no one talks about that come March because you hear the added the the the, the idea of you're a different team in March than you were in October. Mm-hmm. You know, and now we started at Thanksgiving, so we're starting a little bit later, and maybe that's been a little bit of it. But they're going to be a different team in March than they were in November, and if they got a Hall of Fame coach. Those young men are going to – they're buying in. You'll see a turnaround there. I do it. You know, there, there's no reason yeah. to think that they won't snap into a, a a deep run in the Big 12 tournament and then in an NCAA tournament. Now, now I have a couple things here that, that I wanted to get to. First off, just schedule-wise, we mentioned that, you know, as far as, all right, let's see if this team really has it or not. Your next three games are going to tell us a lot if your Kansas is to finish out the regular season. Tech, Texas, and Baylor. And there's about a two-week gap between the end of the regular season and the Big 12 tournament. So if one of these games gets canceled or has to be rescheduled, whatever, there is time to make it up and still play all three of these games. But you're playing the 15th-ranked team, the the 12th-ranked team, in the second ranked team as your final three games of conference play. So that's going to tell us a lot right there. 
as far as, you know, if this team's legit and really about those other teams um, as far as that goes. But here's another thing that's being thrown out there. I was listening to a friend for show talk about this uh, the other day. And uh, one of the things that's being talked about uh, around the country is whether you should even be playing conference tournaments right now. Gonzaga and BYU uh, are talking with their conference, the WCC. They look like, you know, we obviously know Gonzaga is going to be, you know, a one seed and and BYU is going to make the tournament. They're potentially talking about not even playing in their conference tournaments and that their conferences look like they're going to be okay with that as a COVID precaution. And in especially in Gonzaga's case, what is there really to gain, um, you know, especially when it comes to injuries and stuff like that too. Um, Kansas, in their case, Bill Self has already said that they're going to go into bubble mode of sorts. They plan to play the Big 12 tournament and, you know, that they're going to be on lockdown from that point until – uh, the tournament ends for them, that they'll go straight from Kansas City to Indiana where the NCAA tournament is going to be. And so with that being said, Bo, um, a lot of decisions to be made by these conferences and these schools all around the country here in the next couple of weeks. Do you even risk playing in your own conference tournament at this point? What, what do you think? Uh, I, you know, do you go forward with it? Is it really worth it? For some teams, it might be a different answer because you might be a borderline tournament team or not, or maybe you need to get some more wins or whatever. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that there is the same answer for if the conference tournament is worth it for you. I don't think the answer is the same for everybody. What say you? Well, I think I agree. The answer is different for everybody. Uh, it's going to come down to going to come down to money. I mean, it always does. It's going to come down to you know, do conferences need the revenue? And and I think what you'll see is how much revenue is lost by not having fans. If you're not going to have fans in these tournaments. So very. It, I, it, if you are, it's going to be very small contingencies, two, three thousand yes, people. Yeah. yeah. Very small amounts. So if you do have them, and, and we'll use locally the Big 12 tournament, you know, they're probably not going to be able to play. They'll, if they play, it'll be at T-Mobile Center. Um, you know, I don't know if they'll have fans there or not. I don't know what those rules would be like right now. Uh, I'm just not familiar with what they're doing in Missouri right now. But um, you look at that and you go, well, okay, is the loss of the revenue to the, to the conference and to the teams um, significant – on the um, on the in-person attendance is or is it how difference is that significance between that and I'm not wording this right versus what they're going to get in TV revenue right the TV revenue they're going to get that that's big ratings for some of these conferences conferences like the Big East and the ACC and the and the Big Twelve who get a big rating and they get big contract usually from ESPN for those games. I still think you'll still see those team, those tournaments played. Um, also, because frankly, that was the first thing last season, if you recall in 2020, where we knew as sports fans that the COVID thing was now going to be real serious was the cancellation of, of the college basketball tournaments. It was kind of the first thing yeah. for a lot of us. You know, because it was after the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then, because I can recall being in Kansas City the day of the first that Wednesday, the first day of the Big Twelve tournament, they had two games at night. Yeah, I was and they there. They were trying to decide. They were trying to decide up until you were there. 
they were deciding up until till you know ter- the game time almost. I mean, it was within an hour or two of the game when they decided to cancel, and it was all or nothing. I do think that there's a loss of revenue, and now you've had a loss of revenue from football. Yeah, from you know not having as much revenue in for football. I think the big conferences, especially, are going to need that revenue from the TV deals, and they're going to have to play those games. Well, um, and then there's also um, you could have situations too, Bo, where we're talking about okay, the conference tournament's going to go on, but then what if a team decides not to show up? What if you yeah. know a, a Kansas? Uh, let, let's well, Kansas already committed to the Big Twelve tournament. Let's say a team. Yeah. Let, let's say a team like Texas, who's had COVID issues, right? What if Texas says, you know what, not worth it to us. We're going to be a top three seed anyway. We're Texas. We get plenty of money. Um, we just need our guys healthy and available for the tournament. We're not coming to Kansas City. See you guys. We'll, we'll be in Indiana. Um, you know, there's going to be some schools that in their conference, they try pulling that. That's not going to fly. That's not going to go over yep. well with their fellow member institutions. I think a school like Texas can do whatever the hell they want. They're Texas. Well, um, but that's going to be an interesting dynamic of – Okay, we're going to have conference tournaments go on, but maybe not everybody shows up. Okay, so here's where I think you're going to get into a slippery a slippery slope on that is you have a, you're a conference, you're a conference commissioner, and you say we're going to use the Big Twelve as an example. The Big you're going to use your example, Texas decides, hey, we're not coming to Kansas State to play this tournament, right? And all of a sudden, the Big Twelve says, oh yeah, you are, you're coming. If you don't come, you can't share in this revenue or whatever they want to do. Right. But wait a minute. These are college players. They're not being paid. There's no union. There's no collectively bargain here. You're going to make college kids come play? Right. You know what you're setting yourself up for? A humongous lawsuit. Yep. And you think the NCAA, the NCAA has got to be talking to these conferences saying, don't you do this, don't you do it. So I don't think you'll see conferences make teams play for fear of litigation. Mm-hmm. And it won't be litigation from the schools. It'll be someone, some crafty lawyer who just says, oh, we just found a way to get you boys paid. And here you go. And, and a class action lawsuit shows up across conferences to across teams saying, hey, we didn't want to play in this thing because of COVID-19 and they made us. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think they're like that. It's going to be tricky. Um, I think if you use your example there, Texas, say it was Texas decides to jump out, right? Because Texas, you know, I don't think you before you say go before you say anything real quick too with Texas, you're talking about. Let I think they're the perfect example for this. Not only because the fact they are Texas, but here's a team that's had their best season in over a decade. Right? They're going to be a top two, three seed. They, they, there's a really good chance that Texas can make a deep run in this tournament. I think they're the perfect team that doesn't have anything to gain by playing in the Big 12 tournament, but really everything to lose here. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, I, I think that's something you got to think about and you got to wonder, well, you know, is this worth it to us? I don't know that it is. And I don't know, you know the other piece of it, if you're one of those schools, would it, it could it help you become more of a player's school in the future? You think about recruiting 
if you say, hey, we went to our players, our players didn't want to play in this because of this, and we listened. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of different ways this could go, and there's legality. There's a lot of nerd stuff here, and I and, and I say nerd stuff because I get into the nerd stuff. There's yeah. a lot of different things that are going to happen. I think a great thing. I think something that's going to be awesome. We, we should probably see this in the next couple of years. Jonesy, you and I should probably write this. Someone's going to go and they're going to get a make. They're going to they're going to write a book about all the different things that have happened in college sports in 2020 and 2021 based on COVID-19. Right. Some of these background things and what's happened, players opting out and players this, and, you know, now you're going to include, you know, basketball tournaments. Boy, there's some stories here that haven't been told. They may not get told, but there's, you, you, you were talking earlier, there's some things we don't know. And I think that's, really important to keep in mind and and i think it's a part where we as fans we need to all be patient with our favorite college teams this basketball season yeah hopefully we were during football season and, and if we weren't if you're if you were an asshole about your football team this year then you're an asshole um <laughs> plain and simple i mean i look i'm an lsu guy we went from the national championship to five losses you know, no one's ever done that before but we weren't going to fire our coach. You know I mean? This is a different season. It's a different year, different situation. You know, if you're a KU fan, you're upset because they've lost, you know, seven games, you know, let it go. This is a, this is a unique situation. It's going to affect different teams, different ways. And everyone's trying to do the best they can. And they're juggling a lot of things that is a, it's a basketball coach as a football coach, as a sports administrator, you just shouldn't have to deal with your job. Right. But now you're required to. Now, and so my hat's off to all those guys. I mean, at every level of sports right now, and that includes high school and college, the JUCOs, all of it. So I'm giving everybody a pass this year. Yeah. And I think that it would benefit everybody to give your team a pass. Enjoy what we've got, but don't complain about it. But we do have. Just say, hey, nope. let's enjoy what we've got. Let's enjoy it. Let's watch it. Let's appreciate what's going on. And let's not criticize those who opt out, whether it's a player or a team. Right. And and let's let's keep in mind where we're at. Settle down. Settle down a little yeah. bit. Um, I'd like to give you can I give you an example here of that in go the ahead. last couple of days? Yeah. I believe it was a player from Duke or North Carolina that just opted out. It was a North Carolina had it was a kid Duke. Opt out. It was Duke. Duke. Had a kid opt out a couple nights ago. Now I'm on Twitter. And I'm reading on Twitter. And did Coach K call the kind of quitter? No. Okay, it was there was a reporter. It was Doug Got it was uh, John Rothstein. Yes. Yes, that's exactly who it was. Who called a kid a quitter because he opted out. Now he again he's the reporter's thinking it's this time of year. The team's not playing like it's supposed to. You're not playing as well as you could. You were only going to be a one and done or two and done or whatever. So I went and looked at that. I saw the tweet. And I looked at the kid. I didn't know the kid. I don't. Jalen Johnson, by the way. He, That's the kid. to be a top five pick. Yeah. So I went in and looked the kid up. He's 19 years old. So I tweeted to the guy. I said, hey, great job. Great job of criticizing a 19-year-old kid. I got a son who's almost 19. And my kid's not smart enough. or not, He's not mature enough 
to handle being criticized like that. And neither of these kids, they're 19 year old kids. And if they want to opt out, whatever their reason is, well, God damn it, let and keep your criticism to yourself because the 19 year old kid, you could tell I'm getting half hot here. This, that really pissed me off two nights ago when I saw that. And I just, I had to say that because it brought it up to my mind. And I just, hey fans, I'm a fan too. Let's keep in mind, he's an 18, 19, 20-year-old kids, and we're not paying them. Yeah. And they want to opt out, or they're scared to be in a big group like that. Maybe they got a mom or a dad or an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent who got COVID and died. You know, how many of us now know someone who died of COVID-19? I raise my hand, I do. Yeah. You know, and I just... We've all taken precautions, whether it's a mass or changing our behavior. Why is it any different for these kids? Right. We're protecting them by not letting big crowds come into the arenas. Well, right. let's protect them here too. So if a team says we don't want to play in a conference tournament, well, damn it, don't let them. Don't give them any grief about it. Just move on. Well, and uh, on the conference tournament front, one, one thing I, I, I feel like needs to be said too, um, just in case folks aren't aware. There's nothing in NCAA tournament rules that states that you have to have a conference tournament and that your automatic bid has to be to your conference tournament champion. It's, there's nowhere in the rule book. There's nothing there. These conference tournaments, the only reason why they even exist are for two things. One, a money grab. And two, uh-huh. as a last chance to get teams some extra wins to try to get into the NCAA tournament, another money grab, right? So the the, the whole point of it basically is it, it's it exists for money. It's not about the student athlete or anything like that. Don't get me wrong; I like conference tournaments. Um, you know, that's the start of March Madness, right there. I love going to conference tournaments and covering them and such. But um, and, and I've been one of the biggest proponents, one of the most vocal people about. You know, hey, we need to play. We need to get these games in and such. But I'll be the first to tell you on this, you know, because I, I keep it real with you guys. Um, the conference tournaments, it, it doesn't need to happen. Would it be nice? Sure. And I would gladly watch. But there's not anything that says these conference tournaments have to happen by any means. Um, it's okay if, if we have life go on. I would it, – it, it would just kill me if – my team, you know, if Kansas, for example, let's say they go in the Big 12 tournament, they win that thing, but they caught COVID and they can't play in the NCAA tournament, that'd be awful. Wouldn't be worth it at all. So you have to keep all that in mind here, Bo. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And I just – you got to do what's right for your program. And, and I just think as we as, as, as the consumer, that's what we are. We're fans of the consumer. Um we need to be patient with that this year. We need to have a different mindset this season and say, hey, let's enjoy what we see on TV. Let's enjoy what's going on here. But let's keep in mind that, you know, where we're at in the situation. And, uh, you know, you, you said it right. You know, the only reason these tournaments are on television is that e- I mean, ESPN has to fill how many hours of program? Right. You know, and, and we, they got to fill these many hours. And- they can't even get these conference tournaments in in a whole week now. They, they take two weeks to get all these in now. 
Yeah. Yeah. And think of it over the years, they've had to move so many tournaments around. How many tournaments eight, nine years ago concluded on Sunday? Yeah. You know, now it's what, two or three? It's right. I mean, ACC and the SEC, that's it. Yeah, if that the the ACC moved to uh, Saturday a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, not many, and and so you got to look at that. You just got to say, well, okay, let's. It's a television program, right? And, and we're all hungry for it. And we're all sports fans, and we love our team, and that's great. Especially college. College is important because that's a part of us. Whether you attended that university or it's your hometown or your home state, your home region, yeah. We are all for that. And how many times is the national champion a conference tournament champion? Maybe only about and, – and there's a chance I could be wrong at this, but if I were to guess, I'd say probably about 50% of the time. It's yeah. not an indicator, and this is something to keep in mind when we do fill out brackets here in a couple weeks. Um, what happens in your conference tournament has no effect on what you do in March – um, we have seen times that teams did go on a roll and they dominated their conference tournament and then rolled to a national championship. We've seen other times where teams won their conference tournament. And you know what happened the very next game on that Thursday? They went packing. They went home. Um, it, it does not uh, do you any benefit one, one way or the other to uh, be playing these conference tournaments as far as your run through March. You don't need that to win a national title. Yeah, I can only think of one team that, that that won a conference tournament and then made the run either all the way through the big the, the national tournament, the NCAA tournament, or came close. That was that UConn team many years ago that you know, they had to play five games in five days, I think it was, in the Big East tournament and won yeah. it and then the deep run. I mean, that was half a generation ago. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, that's so rare. But that's not this is this is not the season to have something like that. Look, just enjoy what's going on in front of us. Enjoy it. Make it a distraction for what's going on in the world and like like sports is supposed to be. And let's move on. I mean, it's yeah. my heart goes out to these young men and, and, and these young ladies, because college basketball, ladies basketball is having the same issue now. Right. You know, some you know, I don't want to just pigeonhole this as men. It's the same thing with the ladies too. And well, and what we're know, seeing just, in the women's game, unlike the men's game, is that Teams are just straight out dipping out. Duke women's basketball yeah. said, we're done. We're not playing. Virginia, same thing. Nah. Yeah. See you later. Yeah, just, See you next year. You know, you're not yeah. seeing that in the men's game, but it's happening in the women's game. Yeah. Um, before we get to Soli, uh, we'll get to him in just a bit. And uh, we got Bo's football fix later on. We'll still have Tom Fulgery, too, uh, even without Tom here. Um, Bo, uh, you, you have a theory on Bill Self? This is not my theory. Okay. But, you know, there's always whispers. This is not my, my, my theory. I did not give birth to this. I'm not claiming birth to this. Is Bill Self going to leave Kansas? I don't think to so. Specifically to go to the NBA? I you don't know, think so. Talk, but... There was rumored last year about, you know, the, the, the Bulls. And, you know, there's always been talk of the Spurs. Mm-hmm. And his relationship with um, uh, Greg Popovich, and a lot of respect there, and a lot of friendship, and they're very close. R.C. Buford in particular, yeah, yeah. So, 
is this the time that you know, maybe the down year, the COVID year kind of can give somebody that push and say, well, maybe it's time. Greg Popovich, maybe it's time for him to step aside and, 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 and be an activist and not a coach. You know, God bless him for what he's doing. And, you know, there's a lot of stars that could be aligning if you're looking at it close enough. If you're looking at it close enough in a conspiracy theorist way. Um, I don't want to say that I have any inside information. I certainly don't, don't know anything about this, but some things just seem to be like the right times. The, the tides are right, right, right now for it to happen. And I could see it being the right time for coach self to take that. You know, there comes a time basketball is a little different than other sports. Um, and, and I think college sports, it's like this with, with, with a lot more sports, but, in football and basketball in particular at college, the head coach really isn't the basketball coach and really isn't the football coach. They are really the administrator and the, you know, the, the manager of a program. Right. And I can remember a conversation. I, 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 met, I had the, the uh, option. I got to meet Larry Brown a few years ago, and we were talking about this very briefly. I asked him the difference between coaching in college and in the NBA and why he kept going back to the NBA years and years and then chose to go to college at one point at the end. And what he said to me was in that conversation was when you coach in the NBA, you are coaching basketball again. When you're the coach of a team like Kansas or uh, was he at SMU at the very end there? I think was the place. Yeah, he was at SMU, yeah. You know, those situations, you're not coaching basketball as much as you're the sort of the, the head of the program. You're the recruiter. You're the, the figure piece. You're the father to everybody in the program. And there comes a time where you just want to coach the sport again. And if you're a college coach, you can only go one of two ways. You can either go, if you're successful enough in college, you can go up to the NBA. If you're a football coach, you can go up to the NFL. Yeah. Or if you just want to purely coach, you can go down to high school. And that's being a coach again. At some point, you got to think that Bill Self's going to say, man, I just want to coach basketball. Yeah. And not have to be the guy jumping on a plane every day to go recruit. Right. I just wonder that. And that's a situation you can see, you know, an owner he knows, an owner that he has a relationship with, replacing a legend of a coach who he's already very close friends with. Seems to make sense to me. I don't know if that's what's going to happen. But, you know, we talked a little bit about that. I've heard some things on, uh, you know, over the years you hear these things, but it's not new today. It's not new you know, over the last couple of years, but you see those things and you go, well, you know, is this season a catalyst that all the things we just talked about, a catalyst to go, wow, I don't want to run a program. I want to be a basketball coach. Well, you know, here, that's here's what I that could work. Here's what I think if, if I were, you know, touching my crystal ball right now and I got this microphone, we'll pretend it's my crystal ball here. Um, if I were touching my crystal ball right now, as far as the future of Bill Self goes, if you made me bet right now, I would say that 
Bill looks over and sees Roy Williams in North Carolina, and they were under some serious allegations. It looked like it was going to be really bad at North Carolina. And you know what happened? They, they had some bad years. They had some really down years from the North Carolina standard. And, you know, this was the number one program. North Carolina was doing better than Duke. And, you know, they were getting the top players and everything. And then recruiting really dropped off. And they were not the same program. And they were missing the tournament. They were doing those things. And then, you know what? Roy Williams found a way to come back. And they won the national title, what, two times in three years. And they had the resurgence. They got the recruits again. They had that great comeback story. And I I think based on what Bill has said and his approach to this has been, I think he wants to ride this wave, uh, ride this out, and have that resurgence of sorts. You know, they've, this has been the first year of the drop-off. We'll see how bad it gets, but this year was a drop-off from the Kansas standard. Um, but I think that, you know, he, he wants to, to have that comeback story of sorts to, to ride this out and then get back on top again. Now, will he be allowed to have that opportunity? Um, you know, if the penalty is severe enough, um, who knows what his future holds in Kansas if, is if – They'll want him to continue that. I know he and Jeff Long have not had the best of relationship, um, you know, almost since the very beginning and such. Um, but that's how I would picture things of where it's at right now. But a lot of this stuff is day by day. Everything can can change. But that's what I would guess right now, Bo. Yeah, I can't disagree with anything you say there. Now, I don't know anything about his relationship with an AD there and that, and that stuff. Um, I also am frankly of the opinion that if the NCAA were going to throw a big penalty at Kansas, they would have already done it. Uh, I don't think you'll ever see, quote me right now, the NCAA will never throw another big penalty at a big-time program ever again. It'll never happen again. There'll never be another you know, we don't know. We can guess. We know kind of what happened with Kansas and basketball. This happens everywhere. It's really bad in basketball. It happens in football as well. But the NCAA is not going to kill Golden Goose. Yeah. You can't do it. And so you'll find them make some kind of deal where someone takes a slap on the wrist. And, you know, you'll, you can't recruit. This coach can't go recruit off campus for one year. Right, you know, that kind of thing. You know that that's that's all it's going to be. Well, and and Curtis Townsend here you has know? already been pointed to as the fall guy of sorts. He just might have to be the sacrificial lamb in all this. Yeah, um, I, I I like Coach T. I've met him a few times. Uh, I like him a lot, and I hope that's not the case. I, I really do. I hope that's the case. I will say I've I've met three or four of the assistant coaches at Kansas over the last few years. Every one of them I've ever met has been kind, has been a great part of the community. Um, you know, I've met them through, through my son or through other contacts and, and those things I've just, I hope that no one there gets thrown under the bus for the sake of any of, of Bill Self or the KU football or KU basketball program or anything else. Not that I think that coach Self would do that. I don't think he would personally. Right. Um, I don't think that the Kansas University of Kansas would do that to a coach. 
But what's going to happen is they're going to, the NCAA is going to come in and say, okay, what do we have to do to save some face here? Because all these things will come out. But we've heard a lot of these things over the years. Right. And I mean, you can argue, I mean, going back to this, the stuff with Kansas and basketball, the same thing they had in North Carolina. Um, you know, we can even talk about football, go back to Cam Newton. Right. And things that happened there. Did anybody get in trouble? No. Tell me last time a head coach lost a job because of an NCAA violation. Uh, uh, Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl. Did he get a job pretty quick? Uh, yeah, about two years later. Yeah, back yeah, in the went, same conference. Yep, yeah, went back to, went to ESPN for two years. Everyone likes him because he's a great personality. Gets a good paying job two seasons later. Yeah. You know, again, the NCAA is not going to kill the Golden Goose. And the Golden Goose is a lot of places right now. Yeah. And they can't afford to sacrifice anybody. So I'll go on to deep end here, and I will jump right into the water and say, the NCAA in the next few years will not penalize a major program in any way, shape, or form more than a slap on the wrist for anything. Yeah. If Trevor, if we find out Trevor Lawrence got a duffel bag full of cash to stay at Clemson, is the NCAA going to do the Dabo Sweeney? Probably not. No. 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 I mean, there's just not. Why? Because well, you're not going to mess with the programs. Well, there's uh, there's another element. You're pissing off if you do that. There's another element in all this too. Is the NCAA uh, is fighting to stay alive at this point, and yes, that the much. conferences are actively discussing departing from the NCAA and creating their own sanctioning body of some sorts. Um, that doesn't involve the NCAA. And so the NCAA, in a sense, has to say, what can we do to keep our jobs, to stay relevant of some sorts? You know, I mean, that's something that I think you have to keep in mind, too. I would say, yeah. though, just to counter your point, that this is a different time of the FBI being involved and such than sure. any other NCAA case before. I think that's why I would lean towards this being more stricter when it comes to punishment maybe than what we've seen in the past. The FBI getting involved. What law was broken? Say again. What law was broken? They claimed that the money was not taxed that was going through. Okay. And that's an IRS issue. Hey, this is the financial advisor talking now. Hey, that's an IRS issue. Right. You want to get an IRS agent involved, you know, that's fine. Yeah, the, the FBI has got more important things to worry about than freaking college basketball. I agree, and I've said that you from know, the beginning. I would, I would understand the FBI getting involved if we found out there was point shaving and mobsters involved. Right. Okay, then bring the FBI in. Otherwise, get the hell out of sports. Right. You know, it always comes back to we're going to punish 18, 19, 20 year old kids. We're going to punish those kids for the for the decisions made, generally speaking, of people who are older than them, whether right. that is friends, family, coaches, administrators, hanger-ons, whatever that might be. Everyone has their hands up, and we're going to blame the 18, 19-year-old kid. Well, you know, all- you know, you know, I got a line for stuff like this. You might want to beat this one. The fuck out of here with your bullshit on that. <laughs> You know, really, I, 
And maybe yeah, maybe I'm becoming old guy. Maybe I'm too sensitive about it. But I got an 18 year old kid, right. and I know that you put money in his hand, he loses his damn mind. Well, here's what I'll I'll end on this before we get to Sully is yeah. how many people you'd be lying to yourself if you would say if you were in that situation that you wouldn't do the exact same thing that you hundred percent agree with you. if that was offered to you. What if yeah. you, you most people uh, you know newsflash especially athlete families don't come from you know families that are very well off you know even even middle class of sorts you know what i mean right. like, why why would you not you know if you know take a little cash to help out mom and dad or you know to, to, to you know for them to have some money to go to your games even or something like yeah. that i mean like come on be 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 real you know for a second you know and and, and uh, i think people you get this uh, this false idea. They lie to themselves and say, "Oh no, not me! I want to do that. That wouldn't be me." I mean, it's just not true. You're not being honest with yourself uh, with that idea. Yeah, I can get real political on this. I'm not going to, but I will tell you, I 100 percent agree with you. And I think, especially if you look at families of, I'll just say this: young African American kids who are getting an opportunity to go to college and play a sport. And so many people want to question the decisions these young men make. And that sickens me. It honestly, it sickens me. Oh yeah. I just think that you wouldn't hold other people. And people who do say it's the same argument as, you know, I talked about this off, off the air before I'm all for paying these kids. I'm all for paying them in all sports. Because they're they're spending their time and their energy, and there's their revenue there. Yes, there's plenty of it too. And I look at it and I say, let these kids make a living. Let these kids have some money. You know, if uh, the the guy who's the the eighth guy on the bench on the Kansas basketball team can make five hundred bucks to go to such and such car dealership on Tuesday after practice, and can go sign autographs for an hour and a half. Hey, let it. He ain't hurting nobody doing that. Right. You know, I just, you know, I, I get it. And I just, there's a lot of hypocrisy in college sports. And I love college sports. A lot of hypocrisy in it. And we're seeing that at every point right now. And it goes back to our original point we were talking earlier about, you know, whether you're going to play in a tournament or not. Who gives anybody the right to criticize this right now? Right. You know, just, you know, people want to, there's a lot of people who want to tell athletes to shut up and dribble. You know what? Those people should be telling, people should be telling those fans that to say that, shut up and watch the game. <laughs> or don't watch. That's fine. But your opinion doesn't mean a goddamn thing when you're thinking about, because you're not saying, you say that, oh, I wouldn't take that money. Ah, bullshit. <laughs> Look, I'm a 45-year-old man. I got an 18-year-old son. If my son was playing college sports and someone wanted to pay me or give me some cash to go travel to watch my kid play, yeah, I'd take the money. I'll take the, I'll take the free hotel room and the plane ticket. Well, then why not? And anybody that says they wouldn't, that's bullshit. Either that or they're very wealthy and they don't need the money. Right. You know, I... 
Oh, Bo, we could we go on about this all night. This, this, we can do this one all night. We can do this all day and all night. And this will I be a discussion that we agree. will have, I'm sure, down the road as yes. well. And uh, so we'll move on. We'll bring in yes. Sophie here in just a second. Bo's going to come back later on. We'll have our football fix. We'll have Tom Fullery, of course, uh, before we get out of here as well. All that more as we continue here on the Jones Report. Stay with us. <laughs> Join us now, the Jones Sport this week, now with Cake in Wichita, making his way from KSNT in Topeka. It is our buddy Sully Ingalls, who's back on the Jones Report once again. Sully, welcome back, and congrats on the move to uh, Wichita, my friend. Thanks, man. Uh, and congrats to you as well. You know, first time being on air, getting to congratulate you too. So both moving on up, moving and shaking in, in this media media world of ours. <laughs> I love it, man. It's uh, it's exciting times. I'm glad to see uh, us each make these same steps. And a little background story, too. Like, uh, you know, uh, you, you told me right away when you were making the move to Wichita, and, and I told you what was going on here. Uh, all around it was about the same time that we each made our moves made our new locations and had uh i remember being on the phone with with you and we were saying to ourselves like oh man we got like two weeks to move and figure all this out it, it all happened pretty fast it does man and that's how it goes you know when you work in this industry it's kind of one of those weird things every job i've gotten you know it's it's not that you get to like just like sit and be like, oh yeah, I'll have like two months to figure this out. It's like, yeah, we need you here in like two weeks to so like make this happen, which is kind of fun. It's a little interesting, you know. You definitely hit the ground running, which I sort of enjoy, you know. So, uh, yeah, it, it's weird how this all times out, and it's also weird just doing it in all the pandemic. I never thought I have to do that. It's weird. I don't know about you. Starting a new job, I haven't seen any of my coworkers' faces really. So, uh, a learning process. Oh yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, with my job, I've seen my coworkers faces, but it's like only half their faces because we're wearing masks exactly. in the office at all times, unless we're on air and such. And I'm not complaining about that. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm, 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 I'm happy to wear a mask and such and yeah. take care of that, but it's it just, is, it's just unique. Yeah. It's unique because you, like you think, you know, you want to familiarize yourself with people, you want to do whatever you want to do. But there's, you know, so many guidelines. It's just an interesting time to start a job, as well as trying to explore a new city. Right. Yeah. And uh, try to make friends and such. And then you you go out on Friday night after work and you realize, oh, wait, there's not that many people out right now and such. It's, yeah. It's a whole yeah, new For me, world. it's just, it's a, I go back to the apartment and I just see what's, what's the latest on Xbox or I check it with Scott Van Pelt. So it's easy right. as that. <laughs> the thing I found myself self doing so I, I know you've always been a, a, a night side and evening guy, but yeah. now that I've shifted from morning drive to doing evenings, um, you know, obviously I'm staying up later and waking up later as you would assume, but because, you know, before what I was doing was I'd have these, you know, go to bed, watch a sporting event or some show I had to see that was going to be on at that time. And, and now I, I see all my sporting events I need to. And so I'm watching more movies. I'm, I'm kept catching up on all these movies I haven't seen in like the last yeah. two and a half years. Yeah, you, you really become a night owl. And that's the same thing for me, especially being in the central time zone. You know, most of my favorite teams are out west. So they usually wrap up like 11, 11.30, which is not bad. Sometimes it goes a little later than that. But once that all goes and, you know, I'm not – Rarely am I tired. You know, I, I feel like my schedule, I always like go to bed at like 1 or 2 a.m. 
so yeah, like I in the last especially in the last year, I've just crushed an amazing amount of Netflix, Hulu, and movies <laughs> that I wanted to see, which is good for me. So it's a uh, you know it's it, it, it's it's taking the benefits of it all and going with it. Oh yeah. Uh, so you know this was the uh, 25th anniversary of uh, Happy Gilmore the other day, oh, and beautiful. Uh, one of my favorites, all time greats. And I had a coworker actually that said, "Well, if you like Happy Gilmore." you need to watch little Nikki. And I'm like, what is little Nikki? <laughs> I'd never heard of this. Never seen it. Nothing. Uh, and that was the most yes. recent movie I've watched. That was weird as hell, but it had a choice. It it's, you know, Sandler, you know, after, you know, the happy Gilmore and the Billy Madison's, you look at, at Adam Talley's career and you know, big daddy, you could throw right. in there as well. Uh, you know, there, he has, he has his hits. He had his hits. But that's sort of a deep cut, you know. It's like that, or like Eight Crazy Nights. That for me, like I was such a big Sandler fan growing up, I saw them all. Like it was never a doubt. But there are a certain select people that you know that that and this is it. And Little Nicky is a weird one, but very funny as well. <laughs> and this coworker dubbed it to me like, "Oh, Little Nicky's right up there with the rest of them." And after watching, I'm like, eh, yeah. "I don't know about that." I mean, it wasn't yeah, I don't know about terrible, that. but no, I mean, you know. Yeah, it's not it's not on that same level. It's not close. You know, it, it's like saying like Grown Ups is, is like up there with it too. It's like, yeah, you can toss that on. You can watch Kevin James hurt himself and you'll be like, ah, that was nice. But it's not it's not a legendary comedy flick. You know, it's not something that is quoted again and again and again like Gilmore is. Right. Since we last talked, Saul, uh, you, you've had quite the, uh, the sports year of sorts uh, with your Dodgers and the Lakers yeah. and – um, I mean, for, for being in a pandemic sports wise, you're kind of on cloud nine right now, right? Yeah. It, you know, I can't even say it's bittersweet because they, they were both amazing, you know, like Dodgers, especially first one of my lifetime. So that was a unique moment. Uh, and Lakers is spoiled. I mean, that's six for us in my lifetime. Um, and 17 overall. But yeah, it's like, you know, for, for not being able to go to games, for losing sports for a couple of months, for me, it was, that was pretty special. And it sucked to not be in LA because that would be the only thing I would change, I think, you know, and obviously being out of a pandemic and being able to be there. But, you know, it's weird being away from the area you love. You know, it's so fun last year being around Kansas City for the Chiefs because it's just a different energy in the city when those things are going on. And to sort of miss out on that is hard, but at the same time, everyone sort of missed out on it, you know, because everyone's just staying at home. So I'll take those championships anytime I can get them. Now, in my mind, you know, I kind of go back and forth on both teams obviously still stacked. I don't know. You probably are lean Dodgers to repeat just because Anthony Davis is a little bit different right now, but I don't know. Man. It, yeah, like you said, a great time to be a fan of Los Angeles sports teams. And unfortunately, Tampa Bay teams as well. Right. And uh, <laughs> the, the, those two cities, like L.A. and Tampa, just, just owning everything right now in these uh, yeah. few months. It is crazy. I mean, think about it. I, 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 mean, I, I haven't even begun to do research or looking at research, but I feel like it's only a handful of times that two cities have shared all four major championships. Um, and – you know, there was a chance that, that it could have gone, you know, Tampa Bay had a chance to win three uh, if they beat the Dodgers. 
Um, I don't think the Rams or the Chargers were ever going to make that happen for LA, but I mean, Tampa really, they're kind of the kings of the sports world right now as far as talent goes. But at the same time, it's still Tampa Bay. But, and then you also could look at it that, well, maybe the LA has the tiebreaker because the Dodgers beat the Rays straight up, too. That's facts. Yeah. Um, I'll roll with that argument. I'll take it anytime and, and go with it from there. Yeah, that's a win for us. Another win. That's a, a third championship of this year. <laughs> that's good. I like that. Uh, yeah. So, 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 uh, I know that you were uh, following this uh, Chiefs run real closely here, and and that Super Bowl was just, uh, man. Uh, I mean, they they, they laid an egg, uh, obviously. You know, what what do you think when you look back? Do you point more towards the Chiefs not being ready for that game, or the Bucks bringing their A game? Uh, what, what do you look back? I, I don't mean to play the blame game of sorts here, but what just went wrong for Kansas City? Why do you think that they lost? as bad as they did uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I think it like two things. One, and it's like very obvious. Everyone's talked about it. It's just the offensive line. I mean, like with Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay playing as well as they did on defense, you know, they were absolutely lights out. Maybe what I got to be one of the best games they played all season. But when you have five different guys and what you plan to have starters going this season, that's going to make a difference. And then on top of that, you know, it was weird to see just like them having a sort of an off day. And it happens to everyone. But you can kind of tell early on when Travis Kelsey dropped a pass, it just doesn't really happen like that for them usually. And it kind of felt like that, that they were going to have to play from behind the whole game. You know, it was weird. This is normally when you're watching the Chiefs, you just expect them at a certain time to flip that switch and go. But the Bucks defense just wouldn't let that happen, you know. So, um I think more than anything, the Bucks defense is underrated until that performance. And now people will be on watch for next season, assuming they can bring everyone back. But, man, I mean, that was just a tremendous effort. And, you know, you look at Mahomes the day he had, obviously not ideal, but when you're running for your life every play, what can you do? And he really made the most of it either way, following and hitting people with a face mask, whatever it may be. Like, that dude left it all on the field, but. It'll be interesting. It's scary because you, you don't want to give the Chiefs team more ammo. And I, if there's one way to do it, they just did that. You know, I think this in the long term may even benefit them. You know, they could have won two in a row, maybe sort of taking their foot off the gas. And now you lose one like that, playing so poorly. I mean, that's going to be fueled for multiple years. So if you're a Chiefs fan, not that you already know this, but like you guys are set up for a long term success. All just the way their money works right now. Their roster so well constructed that it's going to be a long, long run for them. I feel like this team's at a crossroads, though, now. I mean, in, in a sense. And, and here's what I mean by that. Take example, Seattle, right? You know, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll and company have been very consistent for a long time, right? Um, yeah. but then they lost to, you know, New England and Russell Wilson's, you know, third year and, you know, in the Super Bowl after winning the Super Bowl and they never got back. And they've been very good and they've made the playoffs a lot, but never got back to that point. Or you look at the Packers with Aaron Rodgers and, you know, one of the best to ever do it, right? And still only one Super Bowl of sorts here. Um, you know, that that's what I look at is, okay, you can either recover and get right back there and, and keep contending or this team can, you know, everyone else can play catch up with some sorts because, you know, the, the 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 Bills, the Ravens, the Browns, I mean, these teams are right on their heels here. I mean, 
This is a very important offseason, I think, for Brett, Brett Veach to, to fix some of these issues with this team to try to get back and, and uh, you know, uh, at this crossroads. What say you? Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, an interesting way to look at it. Um, I think for me, none of those other quarterbacks are, are obviously as proven or do I have as much confidence in, in the big game. I think head-to-head, you know, he, Mahomes has always played better than Allen. Um, and has always played better than Lamar Jackson. Uh, and those guys are great. Um, you know, their teams are great. But I just don't know that, you know, you want to compare Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes to that point in a career. Mahomes is clearly better. You want to compare head coaches, Andy Reid, Pete Carroll. You can make an argument with Pete Carroll. I prefer Andy Reid, especially when you've got the enemy by your side. Um, I think that, yeah, you have to address the offensive line and a couple other, you know, things within the defense. Got to clean up special teams for the Chiefs. There are too many games last season where just silly mistakes that cost them. But I think that their trajectory is a lot higher than, say, Seattle. For the Packers, too, you know, Rodgers was always doing without a defense, without a true one wide receiver to Devontae Adams. You know, you, you could say Greg Jennings. You could say, you know, the variety of people they had. Jordy Nelson were always great, but, like, not the weapons that the Chiefs have. Um, so I would say that the Chiefs are in a little better position than those two teams were. And also, it'll depend on where Deshaun Watson goes. But as far as the division goes, I would rather be playing in AFC West than AFC North. Right. Yeah. NFC West. Sure, sure. And and I know as a Vikings fan, you want to just extend Kirk Cousins and have no interest in a guy like Deshaun Watson. (laughs) Would uh, you know that would just continue my my personal hell of, of watching Kirk Cousins play football? But um, <laughs> like, I don't know what you do at this Kirk, point. Kirk Cousins is punishment for uh, the, the LA team's success. I guess, yeah, it, it, and that's how I look at it too. Is like I got you know I can win these two championships, still got to deal with the Vikings, uh, which is a fair trade off. You know, it's like yeah, I've been saying this all year. You know, when the Vikings started on three, I was like, let's tank and get Trevor Lawrence. At this point, all in on getting Deshaun Watson. Like, you know, the management has just such a, like, we need to prove that Kirk can do this deal that I, I don't get it. Because I would – I'd move on if I – like, Deshaun Watson is maybe the second-best quarterback in the league, depending on who you ask. Um, why would you not try and get that guy by any means necessary? Right. It's not like the Vikings are going anywhere either. I mean – No, it's like – you know, it's like the Vikings are just, like, stuck. Like, their defense is going to be better next year. They'll get back three pro bowlers. Great running game with Delvin Cook. Offensive line is – it is what it is. Great wideouts. But Kirk, like, he can put up the numbers, but if he doesn't do it in the big games, which he really has not, what's the point, you know? You're just going out there to go out there, collect a paycheck. I don't know that they'll ever win a championship with him behind the helm. I hope I'm wrong. I think everyone would be wrong in that sense, but I, I don't see it happening. To, uh, to circle back to the Chiefs for a second here, and also connected to uh, Deshaun Watson here, uh, his former teammate uh, now, uh, J.J. Watts available, and the Chiefs' name has come up. Uh, do you think that's the type of guy that could be the difference in uh, the Chiefs uh, getting back to uh, the Super Bowl next year? What, what would you think about J.J. coming to Kansas City? I mean, if you can make the money work, like, why not? You know, like, I think he's still great. Uh, obviously a phenomenal locker room guy and a leader, but like, as far as like championships, what does JJ Watt know about championships? You know, like he's, he's never even really been close to one. 
Um, I think he would be all in on on being a team guy, and I think he would help that defense. You know, you look at the Super Bowl specifically, they're playing, paying Frank Clark all that money, they're paying Chris Jones all that money, but they had like five pressures on the quarterback. Right. And, you know, you can say a tip of the cap for the Bucks' offensive line, and Brady obviously gets the ball out quick. He's been doing that the last couple of years. But, like, man, like that just can't happen. You know, when you're paying those guys that much money, uh, and those guys, you know, they talk that talk. And usually they do walk that walk, but on that Sunday, man, they, they really did not. So, yeah, if, if they can bring in Watt and it's affordable, like, do it. Like, any team, I would say do it. But if they got to break the bank and they have to make some things happen and move around, I don't know that that's worth it. Um, I also, if I'm J.J. Watt, I'm just chilling away to see where Deshaun goes and now I'm making my decision as well because, like, you've got options. Right. Oh, Yeah. Um, you know, there's no need to rush for JJ Watt. There's going to be a lot of teams interested in him and, and, uh, you know, there's, there's no need at this point, but, uh, the chiefs, yeah, I'd love to see JJ come to town if it's for the right cost. And at that point too, you know, you mentioned that defensive line, uh, we've seen how much Frank Clark and Chris Jones got double teamed and such. He's throwing JJ Watt out there who was the most double team edge rusher in the NFL last year. Um, then that opens up some things. Maybe you're talking about seeing that defensive line of old from a couple of years ago have a resurgence of sorts. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's a good point right there too. Just the ability to make the other people, their lives a little easier is, is reason enough, but I don't, you know, the, it's interesting. Cause like, you know, he's so banged up at this point now, you know, obviously the first five years of his career, what was Mr. Consistent or he missed a game. And in the last five, it's sort of been, you know, he's missed chunks and chunks of times, a couple season-ending injuries. So if you can get him on an affordable price, you know, exactly what you said. Like, that'll make Clark and Jones's life much, much easier, as well as everyone else on the defensive line. Um, it just, in general, makes makes your team better. And, and anytime he can make your team better, that's an opportunity you got to take if you can do it with the money. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, a couple more things with you, Sully. Uh, I, I got to ask you, did uh... – did you actually sit through that debacle of what was that uh, that awful KUK State game last time? Oh yeah, I, I cut up the highlights and everything. It, it uh, that was brutal. You know, there's a point in the game. I think it was ten minutes in. The teams were on pace total to score eighty points, <laughs> and I was like, man, this is maybe some of the worst college basketball I've ever seen from both sides. I mean, the three point shooting was horrendous. But you come out of that game, if you're KU, you can be like, all right, well, our defense looked good. We got to think that we won't always shoot this bad. You know, they're entering last three games of the season, maybe the toughest three-game stretch as well, um, with Texas, 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 and then finishing off with Baylor, assuming Baylor ever wants to play a basketball game again for the NCAA tournament. I don't really know what their deal is. Obviously, dealing with COVID, but, like, same time, they've only played Iowa State twice in the Big 12, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. Um, so I don't, you know, it's a weird deal in this time and age when teams can, can say certain things. I hope everyone's safe and I hope everyone's doing well, but that's a different subject. But for, for KU, it's like, defense is great. You know, at the end, they picked up a little bit. So you, you would probably take that a little bit as a positive besides the offense. For K State, it's like, I guess you're taking it as a positive as well because you like held KU to less than 60 points. Like, you know, you're not very good offensively, but like that was truly horrendous shooting from both sides. So, yeah, just in general, a sloppy game. 
but like both teams kind of have some positives to take away from it, if that makes sense in a weird way. I've seen high school games that were more entertaining than that. Uh, Yeah. The UK State game. And more high scoring, even without a shot clock. Right. Uh, Which, a whole other subject too, but Kansas, let's get some shot clocks. This is Oh, right. My goodness. Get some shot clocks in in, uh, in high school basketball. I've been calling for that for years. Even if it has to be 35 seconds, just something. Yeah, I mean, that is, you know, I know it's a money thing, and I know schools can't afford it, but it's like, man, I've seen so many schools just dribble out the last two minutes of a quarter. Like, that's not really how you play basketball, but it's also strategy. They're not going to change the rules. You do what you got to do. Right. That's a good point. Uh, the Big 12 tournament is uh, is coming up soon, and I think that was the last event I saw you at, Seoul, before uh, yeah. shut down and such. And, and you and I were there, you know, very briefly, but nonetheless, we were mm-hmm. there. And uh, now, you know, talk is uh, heating up if uh, the Big 12 tournament, one, if it should happen, and two, if teams like Kansas or others should even show up here. When uh, when you look at it, Sol, is there anything to gain from even playing the Big 12 tournament at this point? It seems like the teams even in the Big 12 uh, that are tournament-bound are, are pretty well solid in at this point. I don't think anybody – needs the tournament as a way to get games in to make their case to the committee uh, to get in. Um, what, what, what is there? Is there anything to gain at this point? It sounds like just a money grab to me if, if, if they're going to go through with this. Yeah, it's, you know, t- tournaments are and like it gives us much of the chance to, you know, get that automatic bid. But in a year like this, when like we're just thankful to be playing, doesn't seem like there's much point. And, like, you know, for the top-tier teams in the Big 12, they're pretty locked in. You know, for Kansas, you know, let's say, like, just Kansas as an example. Like, their biggest thing would be, like, you know, they win these next three games all against top 25 opponents. They're probably – they move up from – I think they're projected as a five seed to maybe a two seed, three seed, something like that. So, like, if you play the Big 12 tournament and you win the tournament, are you hopping Baylor, Gonzaga – Michigan, Ohio State, any of those for one seed? Probably not. No. Um, the two seeds are fairly set as well. You know, you can sneak in, but it's like if they're just going to be playing the entire thing in Indiana as well, seeding matters a little less because the travel will be there as much. Um, so, yeah, like I, I see no benefit when it comes down to it, you know, for any of those teams, besides the teams that have the chance to make the automatic bid. Like I could see their argument. Yeah, we want to play because we want to have our opportunity. At the same time, you know, K State and, and Iowa State have one combined win in the Big Twelve, so to put them in the state tournament wouldn't exactly be right either. Right, and the automatic bid. There's nothing in the NCAA rules that says that you have to have a conference tournament to give out your automatic bid either. That's just how the Big yeah. Twelve chooses to go about uh, doing that. So. Um, that's all a good point there. And, uh, you know, the, the Big 12 tournament, I, I, lo- I love the event. I've loved covering it the last few years, you know, solely. You know, they, they yeah, did a yeah. great job putting that thing together. But um, it just seems unnecessary. I mean, you, you take a team, let's say Kansas uh, wins the Big 12 tournament, but then if you catch COVID and are out for March Madness, it's not worth that. It's yeah. not worth the risk. No, not worth it. And, and yeah, I mean, like if we could do the Big 12 tournament safely, absolutely. It's so much fun. Conference tournaments are a blast. 
nice little teaser from March Madness. You know, you get a little bit of that craziness. You get some Cinderella runs, some teams that are, are fighting for their lives. But, like, it's just not the year for it, you know? And it's like we're, we're thinking to, you know, remember last year when we didn't even have March Madness. I mean, it's hard to forget. Uh, do you want to even flirt with that, or do you want to get these teams in a bubble sooner than rather than later? Let them sit there. Let them be quarantined. Let them be in the hotels, whatever it is, so that there is no issue with the big tournament, the big dance, the thing that everyone wants to see. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, you mentioned Baylor earlier and how good them and Gonzaga have been. Uh, there's some nice bets out there, Baylor and Gonzaga or the field. Which way yeah, you lean into I, it? So that was funny because I had this a long conversation about this the other day. I personally would take Gonzaga and Baylor. Um, you know, easy to bet against the field, but I feel like they're the clear cut two best teams. And, and you know, the argument against them is like Gonzaga consistently falls short during tournament time. Baylor has played like four games this season. So like do what do we really know about them besides like how good they were early and what we knew about them last year? <clears throat> I think I love both those teams. Baylor is so deep. It doesn't matter if they played less games than those teams in the Big 12. Like we know what they are. And they're a veteran squad. They have talent across the board. And same with Gonzaga. I think I was in that camp for the last two decades of like, yeah, they're good. Yeah, they can be in top five in America during the regular season, but like they don't have enough. But this year, with the guys that they have and the addition of Suggs, who is a piece that they have not had. You know, besides Adam Morrison, they haven't really had that top five player. And you know, I'm saying Adam Morrison was like the dude there. And he was in college before the ACL injuries as well in the NBA. But like Suggs is special. Like Suggs life. is gonna be a t- yeah, truly a late I mean, more rings than a lot of players in the NBA. So, you know, let that sink in. Uh Suggs is 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 so good and it's such a a game changer for that program because it shows that we can get these top two recruits. You know, we don't have to build a four-year guy. Here's a one-and-done guy who's going to come in and change the culture, who's going to buy into the system for that one year, but still be able to go within the top five picks in the NBA draft. And he is so good that I think that it just propels him up to that next level. So, I, you know, I almost feel like it's Gonzaga's here, and that's kind of been my gut. Um, so I, I would I would take them. And if you want to go them and Baylor against the field, I'd absolutely take that. Okay. Yeah, I'm leaning that direction, but it feels like I'm going against my mind. Like I should play the numbers game, but like, yeah. yeah, you know, let's go initial instinct, you know, to, to hang out. Yeah, and there's a lot of good teams out there. Uh, even a lot of good teams in the Big Twelve. I just don't know that anyone else is on their level right now. Right. Uh, you know, Texas gave Baylor a run for their money. I think Texas is really good this year. Um, Oklahoma, even within the conference, you know, there's, there's three or four. And then the Big Ten is, is so stacked. Michigan is a very good team. Ohio State, a very good team. Obviously, you see the rankings. Iowa has the experience and they've got Garza. But I just don't think anyone matches up with Gonzaga or Baylor. Right. Uh, a couple more things, uh, Sully. Uh, I know you're a video game guy. Uh, we've talked about this on the show before. What did you think of the news about the college football game coming back? Fantastic. I want to see, you know, if you notice, and as we talked about on Twitter, there was no NCAA logo in the initial drop. So I would hope that everything gets worked out and we get back to that version of the game that we love so much. And there's not like a watered down 
it's college football, but it's like, you know, Midwestern state and West coast university, whatever it is. But at the same time, I'd still buy it if they did that too. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, excited to run my option. It was weird growing up as a kid. I actually played a lot as Kansas state because I enjoyed, uh, I, I think I was running just with like Klein or whoever it may have been. There are a variety of quarterbacks all I could run. So I was like, yeah, sign me up. Let's do it. Power run. Uh, yeah, QB power. Yeah. Just, Every time. just QB power, speed option, whatever it may be. I was on it. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ecstatic about that game. Um, and on top of that, that, and then also this summer, first time it'll be the show will come out for Xbox. I haven't played that game in a long time. Big, big fan of that one. Road to the show. Maybe the best career mode in, in sports video games. Do you have a, uh, a name that you go by in the, uh, the career modes, uh, anything in specific, or is it very by t- time by time? Very time by time. And it's usually, it, it hits me and I just find it. Um, on the last one I did, uh, I was playing as the Lakers uh, and I did a little create a player guy, you know, my road to the journey in 2K. <clears throat> and I named him Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, white wine, a tribute to Vino Kobe, uh, but also six six white point guard Sauvignon Blanc was was the name I went with. So I like to I, I get a little, throw a little flavor in there. Sheesh, yeah, sheesh, indeed a sheesh moment. And Sauvignon is quite a player. Even LeBron have won three state titles, street straight titles now. Uh, he averages about twenty five, ten, and twelve. So you know, if you know, if you know Sauvignon, you know Sauvignon. Sauvignon, what a legend, Sauvignon. Yeah, yeah, truly. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll get the NCAA football game back with uh, with Chico State winning national titles. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that, and people are talking about this enough, Chico State hasn't lost a football game since 1997. <laughs> uh, the media won't cover it. They don't want to touch that. They don't want to talk about the Cats. They don't want to talk about other Cats. They don't want to go to the 5 3 0 and see the Cats up there undefeated since 1997. Everyone's scared. We had to shut down our program because no one would play us. Right. That's well, how I like, guess. That's well, that we wanted to stop. It had nothing to do with money, but we were beating everyone. So we were just like, yeah, yeah we'll just wrap it. You know, it's all good. We know what we can do. Wichita State's been undefeated in football now for a while. So, um, yeah, we need that Wichita State, that Chico State-Wichita State matchup. Uh, Ted Lasso at the helm for the Shockers. Oh, I'd uh, love that. Yeah, I, I, I think the NCAA is scared us to put that together, but uh, the people want that for sure. Now, you moved to Wichita because you're going to be the next head coach of Wichita State basketball, right? Yeah, um, that was the thing is that I was looking at NFL jobs before. Uh, passed up every single one of those. Obviously, BNME should have gotten them before me, but after the league made their decision to, for some reason, not go with them, I was in the running. Uh, Jets, I didn't want to go for. I'm happy for Robert to take that job. Right. But, you know, the other ones I was ready for. Chargers, I had a chance for me to go home. They go with the, the charter guy that they know. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm. I have no problem going back to the college ranks. Um, you know, I looked at at that UCF job, but I said, you know, Gus, you can take that one. It's all good. Uh, I'll go to Wichita or resurrect the Shockers. Right. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's good. That's that's mm-hmm. very good. Soul. Uh, I I love to hear that uh, come out of you. Uh, the uh, the enthusiasm there. <laughs> What's the outlook look like on uh, you in, uh, in Wichita and, and uh, your coverage uh, for a while here, man? Yeah, Wichita. Uh, for me, covering sports, it's all the same. You know, tonight I'm um, going to check out the Shockers taking on number six Houston. So I'm excited about that. Um, you know, this community here is just like 
in the sense of, of Topeka, Manhattan, Emporia, Lawrence, crazy about sports, crazy about their teams. So plenty of stuff going on. Um, but it's nice to get a little more well-versed with the Shockers. You know, I'd cover them some in Topeka, but not as much as, as I'd like to just because we have so much going on up there. So now I get a chance to kind of lead the show with them, do all that. So still shooting, still doing all the regular stuff. It's nothing changes. Okay, nice. It's good to hear. Oh, I yeah. got I, I got one more thing for you. Um, Please do. Um, I I know your uh, your favorite baseball player just retired. Uh, the, the the legendary uh, you know Timothy Tebow. Uh, you know called to quits. Mm. Uh, that uh, th- that was just painful for you, I imagine, and all those minor league baseball players that didn't get to play because of him. Yeah, everyone's super, super upset about that. Everyone I know is really, 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 really beat up about Tim Tebow retiring and his 220 career average. I mean, like, on a serious note, like, it's impressive just, you know, as him an athlete to, to go from playing football to, to go and try and do that in the minor leagues. But, like, it's 30 years old in L.A. Like, that's where 23-year-olds are supposed to be. Like, I would hope he is a little better than them. He's an elite athlete. Um, has the best training in the world and opportunity. Once he said, okay, I can play baseball. He could have, you know, resurrected Ted Williams from the grave and uh, hitting lessons. Like he has unlimited resources. Um, Like to think that like, oh, he didn't have like, you know, he was out of the game for a while. It's like, dude, this guy, once he started playing baseball, could have shown up anywhere and taken, you know, live at bats for people, whatever it may be. So I don't really buy that him doesn't get like, you know, he was out of the game. Like that's why he was bad. It's like, He's bad because, like, he just wasn't that good at baseball. And, like, terrible on defense. Frustrating part for me. And what it really comes down to is, like, play D2. You play junior college. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, there's so many talented baseball players throughout the nation. But, like, the Mets chose to go, like, publicity, quote, a good locker room guy. Like, there's not a million good locker room guys out there. And, like, that's what they went with. So, like, you know, they needed to do that to sell some money. Good for them. I think on a new ownership for them, that wouldn't have happened. But when they were the Mets from 2012 or, you know, 2015 to whenever it was now, 2016, I guess, uh, like, yeah, they had to do it. So, you know, whatever. I'm glad he's out of the game. Uh, I wish him no ill will, but, I, you know, he he's doing fine as a broadcaster, so he can go do that. I, I love the uh, how salty you are about Tim Tebow. Oh, no doubt. The sass and, comes well, out from it, you. Maybe. I mentioned Tebow and the sass is just right there. Yeah, it's it's ready to go, especially with just coming off the news. I can bring it at any time, but it's, you know, I was, sometimes I, I try and stay away from, like, you know, people I know that are just are trying to poke and, pro- and provoke me on Twitter. Last night, I just couldn't stay away from this one kid who, like, well, you know, quote tweeted me and said hey, it was a terrible take about Tebow and then. Then I'm just arguing about stuff, and I'm like, this kid can barely spell, and it's like, all right, like, what am I doing? But it's something about Tebow. It just gets me worked up. I know I shouldn't be doing it, but I just have such a distaste for him. I will do it anyway. <laughs> so your hit list is Tim Tebow, the Houston Astros. Uh, who else am I missing? Um, yeah, that you know, the Packers in general, uh, okay. I would put on there. Uh, although it's changed, you know, I used to really dislike Aaron Rodgers, but now at this point, like you just got to respect the dude. Sure. Um, and I, I really like what he, I like him as a person. So like, I, I have no issues with him. Um, I'm trying to think, I, I think that's really it. 
with 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 this facial hair you got on, you kind of look like Aaron Rodgers right now. That's what people tell me. Really, you know, Aaron Rodgers cheap. He's a, no, not really. But okay, he'd be cool. <laughs> um, uh, he is a Chico guy, so like, I, I I got respect for him initially because of that. Sure, but then he was determined. The Vikings so long, it was tough. But you know, you yeah. got to rep it. Any bar you go into in Chico. It's it's Northern California sports teams and it's an Aaron Rodgers Cal picture on the wall. Yeah, that's good. All right, so we got to run. Uh, where can people follow you and, and see uh, what you're doing right now in Wichita? Uh Sully Angles on, on all the uh, the platforms. Yeah, give it a look. S U L L Y E A G E L S. It's not the pilot. It's not the monster. It's the it's the sports reporter in the Midwest. So there you go. And uh, and you're back to being uh, on the dark side of uh, the internet, uh, unverified now. I prefer it that way. You know, verified life was fun, but uh, I don't need that kind of you know self touting. I, I know what I can do. I don't need a check mark to 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 let me know that I'm special. <laughs> you you are special, Sully. Thanks for thanks Thank for you. joining us. We'll we'll, we'll talk yeah. again soon. <laughs> All right, Tyler. I appreciate the time, man. Have a good one. <laughs> There you have it from Sully Ingalls here on the Jones Report. Tyler Jones back here with you now. Time for this week's edition of Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. For more information on O'Connor Advisory Group, you can log on to O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com, O-A-G-K-S.com as well, and also reach out to Bo at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today by email, brian.oconnor at lpl.com. Bo, appreciate the time as always. And uh, before we get going too much, what's uh, happening at O'Connor Advisory Group this week, Ben? Hey, man, we've got something new and something we want to share with everybody. Hey, we now have an opportunity. We have partnered with Plans Well. And at O'Connor Advisory Group, you can get a free financial plan via Plans Well. What you can do is go to our website, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com or OAGKS.com. Go to the Contact Us and send me a message directly on the Contact Us. Mention free financial plan or mention Jones report. And what we will then do is I will personally reach out to you with a private link that will allow you to go to plans. Well, and do a financial plan for you and your family that only you and I will see. So it's a a free deal. It's mobile friendly. It only takes about 10 minutes. And I have found that it's really great. We want to do that. And so that we're going to offer free, and really, it's a nice, like, retirement uh, calculator to see kind of where you're at and get an idea with a picture of where you want to be. And then what we'll do is help counsel you and get you from point A to point B. That's awesome. Check that out on the O'Connor Advisor Group Facebook page, and you'll be certainly uh, glad that you did so. Bo, let's, uh, let's start with J.J. Watt. The uh, big news there, he asked for his release from the Houston Texans. The Texans, of course, in full-on rebuild mode. Last year, he faced more double teams than any other edge rusher in the NFL and ended up with five sacks. Not the best year by any means from J.J. Watts. His name's been thrown around about possibly joining his brothers in Pittsburgh, but they have some cap issues. Maybe going home to Wisconsin and playing for the Green Bay Packers is a possibility. Certainly, uh, there's going to be some 
opportunities for J.J. Uh, Watt. Where do you see J.J. ending up as uh, he wants to end his career on a high note here? Do you think he's still got something left in the tank as well, Bo? Yeah, I think so. J.J. Watt's an interesting one to me because, you know, he's not as great a player as he was, you know, three, four years ago where he was a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, but he's a lot of value. An edge guy, a guy who can get after the passer, in the NFL nowadays is very valuable. And I think that that's going to uh, bring, it's going to bring a lot of attention his way. It's going to give a lot of teams the idea that, Hey, this is the guy who can help us right now. Uh, JJ Watt's going to go to a winner, no matter where it is. Um, you know, you mentioned the Steelers, you mentioned um, uh, the, the Packers. Um, I'll tell you where I think he ends up. This is going to make a lot of your listeners happy. I think he's going to end up right here in Kansas City. Hmm. I think that what's going to happen is J.J. Watt. This will be a theme here you'll hear from me for the next few minutes. Um, I think J.J. Watt's going to sign a one-year deal somewhere. I think he's going to sign a one-year deal, maybe with a big bonus, and play one season somewhere, and then see what happens the next season. And I think, why wouldn't you come to Kansas City? You know, an edge rusher doesn't have to play every down. He doesn't have to take all the money. You know, he doesn't have to have a huge salary. The Chiefs could always use another guy on the defensive line. I think that that's going to be a really good fit. And I do think that – I think the low-key places – my son always says low-key. Uh, the low-key place that he might end up is in Kansas City. I think there's a really good fit there. Um, if he doesn't end up here, I don't think the Packers is where he goes. Um, I don't think the Packers are going to be creative enough to actually go out and sign free agents. It's just not who they are. Um, I mean, they only have really one big free agency splash in the history of their franchise, and that was Reggie White, you know, a generation ago. Um, so I don't see the Packers doing it. I also think that there's a lot of smoke. I've been seeing some stuff on Twitter, some other places, the Tennessee Titans. I wouldn't be surprised if he stays in division. You know, I think he's got a little bit of relationship with, with uh, Vrabel. That could be another good choice. And then I think what we're going to also see is a lot of veterans are going to look at taking one-year deals and maybe go down to Tampa and join up with Tom Brady. There's going to be some opportunities there. But if I had to make a prediction and put myself out there, I think J.J. Watt's going to end up at Arrowhead, and I think he's going to end up at Kansas City Chief. Well, let's put him on Kansas City just for a second. Um, at that point, you're talking about him pairing up on that defensive line with Chris Jones and Frank Clark. And the defensive line has been one of the, the Chiefs' strengths the last couple of years. It wasn't the case this year. The Chiefs did not lead the league in sacks like they had done the previous two years. And we saw that Chris Jones and Frank Clark, in particular Frank Clark, were so inconsistent throughout the year. Yeah, J.J. Watt there, then – any idea of trying to double team Frank Clark or Chris Jones pretty much goes out the window at that point. He would be a big relief uh, to those other two defensive linemen. I think if anybody wants JJ Watt and his chiefs team, Bo, I would assume that it's uh, it's those two guys that probably need JJ the most. Yeah. And I think what's going to also do is keep that defensive line fresh. If you keep rotating guys through there, you, know, you can give those guys a couple plays off here and a couple plays off there. You know, it makes them stronger later in the game when, frankly, you're going to need it when you're in a shootout with the Chiefs. 
the Chiefs are a high-scoring team, teams are going to go after them, and teams are going to try to are going to have to score a lot of points. If you have pass rushers that can keep rushing the passer, that just makes a lot of sense to me. I think that that's a really great spot for J.J. Watt. That is my prediction of where he ends up. I think it's a one-year deal. I don't think it's going to be a huge salary. I think he gets a little bonus up front, maybe a little bonus if he wins the Super Bowl, something like that. But I think that the overwhelming thing we're going to see with free agents right now in the NFL is the the idea of a one-year deal because of some salary cap implications. We'll talk a little more about that in a second, I think. But, you know, just the salary cap issues and kind of going back into free agency next year when teams have more salary cap room. Yeah, that's a great point. Von Miller sounds like the Broncos are de- going to decline his – $18 million team option. He didn't play all last season as he was injured before the season began. What do you think about Von Miller here? The Broncos, I, I don't think it's hard to disagree with their move. This is a team that's building. He's part of kind of their past, and he's coming off a, you know, a season that he didn't play in such year. Tell me about those two things, how you feel about it for the Broncos' perspective, and then also for Von, where's a good place for him potentially? I feel a little bad for Von Miller. Um, Von Miller wants to be a Bronco for life. He said that on Twitter. He, he even again, as we talked to you earlier today, he uh, said on Twitter that he wanted to be a Bronco for life. He knows it's coming. You know, it does make sense based on the salary cap and what the Broncos are doing going forward. Um, I think Von Miller is going to try to do the same thing. He's going to try to go somewhere where he can win a Super Bowl. Now, I don't know the age difference between Von Miller and J.J. Watt, I don't have that info in front of me. But I think that Von Miller may get may take a two- or three-year deal somewhere, uh, not try to test, um, you know, going into free agency for more than a year at a time here. Um, but I do think that – and Von Miller may take that one-year deal. A place for Von Miller, a great place would be Tampa, you know, New England. Uh, I mean, Kansas City makes sense too. I mean, if they don't – if they win – Both guys, Kansas, by the Boston, way. They do that. Both guys, by the way, are 31. Yeah. So, I mean, you still have a couple more years as a, as a, as a pass rusher. And they're both Hall of Fame pass rushers. I mean, just incredible what they do. Um, I think that, you know, it's six in one hand, half dozen in the other. Which one you think is going to perform better next year? It might be who's better in your system. You know, Vaughn Miller is a pure pass rusher. J.J. Watt can be moved around a little bit on the line, play a little more in the interior, and play against the run a little better. But uh, that's more because Miller's never been really asked to do that in his in his defense and what he's done there. Um, but I think he's going to end up in another one of these, you know, these teams that are trying to win now. There's only going to be a handful of them. You know, it's you know, the Bucks trying to repeat. It's the Chiefs trying to go back. Um, I think the Titans may try to do something like that, try to get a couple of guys. Um, I think also the other teams look at, like you mentioned Green Bay earlier. You know, I don't know if New Orleans, you know, Saints fan, I know that team a little better, but they're in salary cap hell. That just isn't going to happen for them. Um, you know, I, and I think New England is the team that if anyone can give a couple of these guys who are 31 or 32 some security over a two-, three-, or four-year deal, then that's who that could be. So if I had to make a prediction on Von Miller, I'm going to say Tampa or New England. Okay. 
All right, let's talk quarterbacks now. Um, Russell Wilson, rumors going around that potentially he wants out of Seattle. We know that he won a Super Bowl there with Pete Carroll, that Pete Carroll's been there his entire career and everything, but uh, that's something that's being talked about, being mentioned, that he potentially wants to move on of sorts here. You know, I, I look at that, uh, Bo, and if that's the case, th- there's got to be something that we don't know about that's going on there because Seattle has been very consistent. They've been competitive his entire career, uh, you know, right up there in that division. They've won big-time playoff games, won a Super Bowl. He's got a Hall of Fame head coach that he's working with and, you know, a couple of, you know, great receivers in uh, in Lockett and Metcalf, um, you know, Chris Carson has proven to be a very solid back in this league. Uh, the defense got better when they added Jamal Adams and everything. It, to me, the, the, if if that's the case, if Russell Wilson wants out, there's something that we don't know about that's going on there. What do you think of this rumor of Russell Wilson potentially wanting out of Seattle? I, I, I don't think that, first off, it's a very true thing. I don't want to say it's not true, but it's, I think that it's – I don't want to call it fake news, it's, but it's – I think Russell Wilson was a little frustrated because they didn't win a Super Bowl this year. They weren't really a contender there at the end of the year. He's thinking, God, what do we got to do? Look, everybody's frustrated this time of year. Um, I think he's in a good situation there. I mean, you got Pete Carroll. That's a lot of consistency with those two. Um, you know, DK Metcalf is a monster. And, and why wouldn't you want to play with a guy like that? So if you're a quarterback, you want a guy like that on your team. So I think that um, – I understand if Russell's wanting more money. I understand if he wants, you know, more say in what's going on as a franchise quarterback. You probably should have a little more say. But um, I wonder how much of that is, you know, he's actually unhappy or how much of that is just maybe something taken out of context or not taken in tone. Um, I just don't see Russell Wilson leaving Seattle. I just – I think he's too important to them, and they're not necessarily in a rebuild mode, kind of what Deshaun Watson's going through in Texas, no. in, in Houston. No, the, the Seahawks are a player or two away. They're not far off. Um, you yeah. know, you, you've had a great GM in John Schneider, and you know Pete Carroll, as we mentioned, Hall of Fame coach. It's, it would be hard for him to find a better situation, unless this is a – a money deal. If Seattle doesn't want to pay him of some sorts, which they would be ridiculous if they don't want to pay him, I'd give him another contract. Of course. Um, that's the only reason why that I, I think that it would even make sense for him to move on. I mean, it is re- realistically uh, where he would be traded to. There's no way that he would be better off than he would be in Seattle right now. Yeah, I agree. And I don't understand, you know, why Again, I, I think it's more of a he probably wants a little more say in personnel. I think every quarterback wants that. And I think it's just a little more of the end of the season blues. I don't think Russell Wilson's going anywhere. You know, the Seahawks have made it very clear that he's important to them. They've paid him well. They're going to continue to pay him well. You know, they've the Seahawks broke up the Legion of Doom, Legion of Boom, because they had to pay Russell Wilson. Right. And they're going to continue that investment. It's not a sunken cost. I mean, he's an MVP. He's an MVP caliber player. And he played like it this past season. 
he probably wants a little more say. This is kind of the same talk we had with Aaron Rodgers two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think you're absolutely right about that. Uh, a few more names for you here. Uh, let's uh, let's go to Ben Roethlisberger. Not much hey, of a ringing right. endorsement of sorts from uh, the GM of the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, Kevin Colbert, uh, saying that Big Ben is our quarterback today. Uh, does sound like that they like what they have from Mason Rudolph, from what we've seen from him. Um, Big Ben's owed $40 million for one more year. They say that they're going to have to restructure. The Steelers are in a bad cap situation way over it. How do you see this shaping out for Big Ben? Do you think he plays one more year in Pittsburgh, and does he do so for $40 million? It's not going to be at $40 million. They both They both sides know that's not going to happen. Uh, even Ben has said, you know, privately, and it's gotten out that, you know, he realizes he's not getting that money. Um, they're going to restructure his deal, give him, a, give him a bonus, you know, bring that cap number down, you know, get him some salary cap space. He's not the quarterback they can afford to have a $40 million cap commitment to, especially in a year when the salary cap is going down. Um, and so that's a big deal. I think that I think they do play nice. I think the Steelers do make Ben Roethlisberger a deal. They, they, he plays one more season. I think this is going to be the last ride of Ben Roethlisberger. He's going to kind of have the season this year that Drew Brees had this past season of, you know, hey, we know this is it. Let's load it up. Let's see what we can do. And they're going to try what they can do to, to, try to make this one last run with Big Ben. You know, I don't know, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, I know you and I talked about this a lot. And, and yeah. we, we both have different feelings on Big Ben. You know, he's to me, he's one of those borderline Hall of Famer guys. You know, he's an Eli Manning kind of thing. And I think in his case, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, what else are we going to do for the Steelers? You know, who are we going to get that's better? And especially this season. This season is going to be very strange. We're not going to see a single player in free agency get the huge money deal. You know, the Aaron Donald, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, those 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 deals are not happening this offseason. The, the cap is going down because of the less revenue of this past season. And so teams are taking are going to take teams who are not going to win the Super Bowl this year. Teams that are not going to try to compete for it are going to take all the cap hits they can right now. Get it all out of the way so they can be more competitive in 2022. This is going to be the most unusual business year for NFL teams you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And this free agency is going to be really difficult because players are not going to get their true value. I mean, J.J. Watt's going to sign a one-year deal somewhere. He's not going to get... 20 million bucks somewhere. Yeah. Von Miller's not getting 18 million dollars somewhere. Ben, Big Ben's not getting 40 million. You're going to see a lot of that. You know, I mean, we talked last week. I predicted the Chiefs are going to cut both Mitchell Schwartz and, and Eric Fisher. I think you're going to see a lot of that stuff these next few weeks. You know, you're going to see it after March 1st when the new season starts and look on the calendar. And between there and June 1. There's going to be a lot of movement like that, trying to clear salary cap space and trying to 
if you have a situation on a player you know is not going to be your future, you're going to take your salary cap hit in 2021, like the Eagles are trying to do with Carson Wentz. Yeah, it's a great point. Brian O'Connor, Coach Bo joining us here for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Bo, I want to ask you about Deshaun Watson now. No trade yet. Still waiting to see where Deshaun Watson lands. Seems like that there's a lot of interested suitors. And one of the ideas that's been thrown out there, which just seems absurd, but apparently it's being talked about, is the Carolina Panthers being interested in sending Teddy Bridgewater, Christian McCaffrey, and three first-round picks to Houston. It, like at that point, that, that'd be almost like the, the Herschel Walker trade that the Cowboys <laughs> were a part of. I mean, like, come on. I mean, I, I love Deshaun and he's val- valuable, but uh, if uh, if Houston pulls that off, uh, if they can get that deal done, that, that'd be quite the uh, King's ransom of sorts here. Uh, I, I would like to think that Matt Rule and company is smarter than that to, to not give up too much for Watson here. What, what, what do you think of where uh, this stuff is at with Watson right now? Well, I think it's going to take a monster trade for the Texans to actually trade it. You know, you can make a lot of things, a lot of hurt feelings go away with money. Um, if you don't believe me, just ask a lot of people. I mean, it's you can make a lot of hurt feelings go away with a little bit of time and a whole lot of money. Um, and Deshaun Watson is going to get paid a whole lot of money if he stays in Houston. Um, I don't know that those fences can be mended. I, you know, I'm not a Texas fan. I'm not a fan either way. I, I do want to see. I like Sean Watson more than I do like more than I like the Texans. So I want to see him land somewhere positive. I think that's a king's ransom. I think you said that pretty well. Uh, you know, with McCaffrey and two ones. My question on that is, if you're going to include McCaffrey, is that having buyer's remorse? Yeah. I mean, I wonder if they, if the Panthers are willing to include McCaffrey in a deal. That has to be that they're having a little bit of buyer's remorse on paying a running back that much money. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is much of a piece. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that because I don't like Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's a pretty good little quarterback. I mean, to a good little quarterback. He's a good little salary quarterback. I um, mean, he's a $15, $16 million a year guy. He's got one more year on his contract. You know, he's not a big cap guy. You don't have to worry about there. He's a good, solid quarterback, and he can be your starter. But if you're the Houston Texans, I mean, is that a piece you really need? You know, I don't – I think a lot of these rumored trades that are going around about Deshaun Watson, you know, we've heard you know, the trade of him going to Carolina, and you include that. Uh, there was a, a rumor at one point of him going to New Orleans and him throwing uh, Taysom Hill in the deal. That ain't happening. Um, you know, I, another trade was uh, the Bears get an extension for Trubisky and include him in a deal. The Texans aren't going to want someone's used quarterback. They're going to want a pick high enough to go draft their own. Yeah. And to let their coaching staff decide who their quarterback is going to be. They're not going to want someone's leftover. That's just not the way that deal is going to work. And everyone's going to see what happened in the Rams-Lions deal and think, oh, well, that's how it's going to go. No, that was the Rams saying, we've got to upgrade the one position we have to upgrade, and the Lions saying, well, if you're going to take care of the dead money hit for us, 
give us some cash to take off and an extra first round pick, it'd be dumb to do it. We're not going to be the damn good anyway. Right. So, right. I, I, you know, I think that there's a lot of wishing. A lot of fans of a lot of mediocre teams are wishing right now that their team could make the deal. The only team that it seems to make sense of a Deshaun Watson trade right now is the Miami Dolphins. And that is only if that staff in Houston likes to attack a five hole. If they like Tua, then that deal can happen. But if they don't like Tua, you can't make that deal. You mean you, you have to think that any quarterback you get back in a trade for Deshaun Watson is your new franchise quarterback. Right. And you can't, it can't be a rental. It can't be Teddy Bridgewater. It can't be Mitchell Trubisky or Taysom Hill. It can't be a one-year or a two-year guy. It has to be a guy that's your quarterback for the next five years. Well, and, you know, Deshaun's got a contract. He, he signed a new extension not too long ago. There's four years left to go in this deal. Um, yeah. You know, you, you don't have to make a deal just to make a deal. You can drag this on until you find the deal you like and want to make a deal. So, um, yeah, I think that if a Deshaun Watson trade happens, it's going to happen after June the 1st. Yeah, I think it's going to happen closer to camp than in the next couple of weeks, unless somebody comes along with a deal that the Texans cannot decline, cannot, you know, uh, cannot say no to, and it includes a top four pick in this year's draft. Mm -hmm. And, And the reason I say top four is that you need a chance of getting one of those three quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. And I keep seeing mock drafts where the three quarterbacks are going to go into top four. Huge mistake if you ask me, but, you know, I, I, if, if they, if the Texans can fall in love with someone other than, than uh, um, Trevor Lawrence, then yeah, they can make that trade before draft day, but it has to be for a pick that they know is going to secure the quarterback they want. Okay. I don't see anybody doing that. I just don't see that happening. Right, right. All right, Bo, that's uh, that's a lot of NFL conversation. I do have one college note I want to get to, and that involves former Auburn head coach Gus Malzahn. He is the new head coach at UCF, replacing Josh Heupel as Josh Heupel took the Tennessee job. And we saw Gus, you know, he took Auburn to a national championship game. He had his ups and downs there at Auburn and you know he was also head coach at Arkansas State for a year I look at this Bo UCF that job is better than a lot of power five jobs that program it's it's the largest school in the country and you're playing in Orlando um you, you got a lot of money in that school too for being a non-power five school they've had a lot of success um, this is about the third big name coach in a row that they've had. You know, Josh Heupel was a notable name. Scott Frost was a notable name before that. Uh, you know, George O'Leary did a good job with that job with that program for years too. Um, Gus Malzahn, there's no reason why he shouldn't have success there at UCF. They have all the resources. They should be able to win the American about every year, every other year, something like that. Uh, this to me, I, I think it's personally, uh, you know, I think Gus is a good coach. He's a good recruiter. Um, you know, there's no reason why he shouldn't have success there at UCF. What say you? I agree with that a lot. There's a lot of that I agree with. So first off, it's about UCF. UCF, I think you touched on it. They have either number one or number two 
in the country in college uh, in enrollment. Yes. Uh, I think number they're one. either one or two. I, I, I believe they're number one. Yes. Yeah. Um, I know it's them in Arizona State, if I remember correctly, or one and two. So I don't remember which one was the wedge. But uh, they've also got a humongous alumni base. And what do all alumni want? They want to see a good football team. And they've got a great opportunity to recruit in Florida. There are very few sleeping giants left in college football. UCF can be a sleeping giant. UCF, if done right, if recruited right in Florida, where you have a football culture, could be a team. I'm not saying this will happen. You have a an opportunity to be what Miami was in the 80s. You can see that kind of jump just by recruiting kids locally. But then you can go get some of the best players the Power Fives maybe aren't looking at. Or maybe you can recruit some of those kids by saying, hey, we're in Orlando. Who doesn't like Orlando? I mean, I don't like it's a tourist trap for me. I'm not going to Orlando unless I'm playing golf. But, you know, hey, you know, Orlando for an 18-year-old kid is pretty fun. And there's a lot of things you can do there. So I think that that's a good fit for Malzahn. And I think that's a great place to go as a coach. Malzahn's also a system guy. He has his offensive system. It's worked everywhere he's been. It was a little rough for him the last couple of years at Auburn just because you're playing against it in the same division with, you know, LSU, Alabama, uh, Texas A&M, and you're playing them every year. you got great coaches at all those schools. They all recruit well. So you can recruit some athletes that can kind of work against a system. But a non-Power 5 school, a system can really work if coached well. They've shown it in the past. I mean, you mentioned George O'Leary. You know, I mean, he system and he used at Georgia Tech. I mean, he brings it to UCF. They were great. You know, Josh Heupel, um, Scott Frost before him. It's a sleeping giant of a job. And I can really see that being a really good spot for Gus Malzahn. And I think that's for him. Kudos to him for getting that job. I think it is a great fit for him. Um, the other kudos I want to give the man is get your money, son. Oh, good he's got Lord. He's got a hell of an agent. My gosh. Oh, man. I don't know who his agent is. I don't know if it's uh, is it Jimmy Sexton, the agent to all the great college coaches. But, I mean, he got $21 million to walk away at Auburn, and he doesn't have to sit out. You know, so many times guys take that buyout and they got to go be on, you know, they got to go be on, you know, the CBS Sports Network for a couple of seasons or they, they got to go be a consultant for a couple of years. You know, Gus Malzahn doesn't have to do that. He's going to get deep on double dip here and, and to put that money aside. And then you're going to get paid a two million plus a year at UCF. You get to live in Orlando. That's pretty good. It's a pretty good deal if you can get it. Oh, and, and so, he's, uh, he's made for life now, too. If this doesn't work out somehow, if this goes bad, it doesn't matter. He, he's, he's set. Yeah, he, if Gus Malzahn is not sitting there with the, you know, um, the Howard Schnellenberger, Jimmy Johnson, University of Miami playbook right now, if he's not sitting there going, hey, here's how we're going to recruit. If he's not doing that right now, then he's a fool. But that's all he's got to do is recruit Florida. Recruit Florida. Get a couple guys from around the country if you want. And here you go. You're competitive. Run your system. Run it your way. 
they're going to want a winner and they're going to be happy with the team that every other year is competing for that conference championship. There's a, a way that UCF can win that conference and get into a college football playoff. Just based on that being a big school, that can happen. You want to see someone bust the bracket? That's the team that can do it. That's the school that could do it. Well, that's what if I was... he doesn't have success there. If he doesn't have success there, it's his own doing. I mean, they're going to give him everything he needs to be successful. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you next is you, you look at that program. We mentioned the enrollment, how large it is, how successful they've been the last few years. Now you bring in, you know, a, a top coach in Gus Malzahn. It, it seems like the playoff will probably expand within the next few years. I know that's a whole nother topic in itself, but if you're UCF, you've been tremendous the last few years, but you're still looking to make that next step. Do you think that Gus can be the guy that gets them to that next step of, okay, you know, we're contending for the playoff, or maybe now we're out of the American, we go to a better league of some sorts, the Big 12 or the ACC or something like that. Do you think Gus is that guy that gets UCF over the hump to that next step where they want him to be, or are they going to be just who they are right now, which is perfectly fine too. I mean, there's nothing wrong with UCF, but do you think Gus can get them even further than where they're at now? So I think that that should, I think the idea and the notion of UCF going to a bigger conference should not be a consideration for Gus Malzahn at all right now. He should go in and try to dominate the conference he's in. Absolutely dominate recruiting. I mean, it just be recruiting athlete after athlete after athlete. He needs to get every three-star recruit in the state of Florida. Everybody that doesn't want to go to, um, that doesn't want to go to Florida. You know, everybody that, you know, Miami doesn't recruit like they used to. You know, he can be in on those guys. Again, Gus Malzahn is going to be as successful as he is at recruiting. And if he can recruit, and all he's got to do is get athletes, and he's in a great state to get them, go get them. That's all his – he and his staff, that's all they have to worry about is recruit athletes and get them in our system. That's go. what he should be telling his coaching staff. And if they do that, he's going to be successful. If the college football playoff expands to eight teams – then winning the American with an undefeated record and blowing teams out, and you're out there playing, you know, these games and blowing teams out and, and, and doing this, he can get into the playoff that way. Yeah. It stays at four. You know, you're going to have to make some hey, You're going to have to schedule some teams, you know, to play you a home and home and make some things happen. Again, the biggest thing I see is, again, a playbook I would go back to. And I know you know a little bit about college football history. If, you, if you're listening to this, if you've never gone and seen the 30 for 30 on the U, go back and watch. And go back and watch how Howard Schnellenberger talked about recruiting at Miami. He called it the I-95 corridor, the state of Miami. There's no reason to think that Gus Malzahn cannot do that. Mm-hmm. Florida's not as good as they used to be. They don't have a great coach that's this awesome recruiter. They go everywhere now looking for guys. Miami is not the U anymore. Florida State is not Bobby Bowden's Florida State. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll challenge. I know you know this, but who's the head coach of Florida State right now? Uh, Mike Norvell. Yeah, you, we know that. But does anybody listening know that? No. 
Gus Malzahn's got an advantage. Very few people can go in and say, I won a national title. Very right. few coaches can do that. Recruit, recruit your system, and win your league. Focus on those three things. If he does that, he will be successful. If he can't recruit athletes and get them in his system, and he should absolutely be a player's coach. He should love them all up. Don't I mean, yeah, it's your system, but make sure that every kid there knows you can be who you want to be at UCF. And if they do that, they're going to get a massive amount of great players. Well, and you look at their schedule this year. They, they hit the ground running. Open it up the year against Boise State, who's going to be you know their their biggest uh, you know non Power Five team really that they're going to be trying to compete with for the next several years. Um, you know, they then they play at Louisville and they play UConn as their non conference this upcoming year before they begin playing the American Conference, uh, which includes teams like Cincinnati and Navy and Memphis and USF. Um, you know, it, they're, uh, they're not messing around at UCF, so that'll be fun to no, see. There, there's a couple of schools down there. I mean, UCF and USF are the two – I mean, they're the two sleeping giants. UCF is a bigger sleeping giant than me. It's Orlando, yes. the huge campus, the huge enrollment, the big alumni. Man, that's a job that, honestly, coaches should be fighting for that job. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, the, the fact they went and got Gus Malzahn, that's a big deal. Yeah. It is. It is. O'Connor Advisory Group, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com, O-A-G-K-S.com is the website. Also on Facebook and uh, send them a message and, uh, you know, tell them we sent you and you'll certainly yes. be glad hey, you did. Again, go, ahead, go, to, go, to our, go, go to the website, O-A-G-K-S.com. There's the contact me upper right-hand corner. Send me a note. Say, hey, I want to talk. I want to do the free financial plan you mentioned on the Jones Report. And I will send you the link the very next day. Uh, get on. It's mobile friendly. It takes about 10 minutes. It's a great way to get a little bit of a retirement plan. To get an idea. Are you funding it well enough? Are you not funding it well enough? It's private. The only people that will see it will be you and me. And you won't have to pay a dime for it. So yeah, give, us a, give us a shot on that. We want to be your partner. We want to help you out. Here's a great tool we can give you that not many folks can. So there you have it, Coach Bo's football fix. And uh, Bo's going to stick around for uh, a couple more things before we get out of here today. And I intentionally did not tell Bo that we were going to talk about this ahead of time because uh, I- I'm very curious of just his uh, his first reaction, the first words out of his mouth when I even dare bring this up. But Bo, since you are a baseball guy, um, I figured that w- we had to mention today about the retirement of the baseball great of uh, Tim Tebow. Uh, (laughs) I thought that's where you were going to go because I just saw the story. As we sat down to record, I was checking something and I saw the story come across. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Come on now. Just bring it. I'll talk Tim Tebow again. Oh, you know, on the Tebow front, uh, I know a lot of people didn't like him you know, going out and playing baseball and taking away opportunities from minor league players. And, you know, he still got invited to spring training this year when he did not really deserve to get invited to spring training this year and such. But but I'll say this. Um, I hold nothing against Tim Tebow for trying to give baseball a shot and just seeing where it goes and, 
and he was obviously committed, you know, did it for a few years. I have nothing against Tim Tebow with what he did. I have everything against the Mets, though, for the way that they handled this, to waste the time and the energy and the money on Tim Tebow. All of it was was a money ploy to sell tickets in their minor league stadiums and to sell some jerseys, you know, some merchandise. The Mets at the time had horrible ownership when they brought in Tebow, and they were looking for every dollar they could get and such. Um, so, no, I hold nothing against Tebow for trying baseball and giving it a shot. It didn't work. That's fine. I do hold everything against the Mets, though. And at the same time, uh, the Mets weren't Tebow's only option. Uh, he would be with another organization. He had a couple teams interested in him at the time when he said he was going to play baseball, too. So, yes, I do hold it against the Mets, but at the same time, someone else would have done the exact same thing the Mets did. What's, what's your reaction, Bo? Okay, so – um, I have a pretty strong feeling on Tim Tebow. Um, I call Tim Tebow Mr. White Privilege. <laughs> um, so here's my thoughts. So I agree with what you're saying with the Mets and Tim Tebow. Absolutely. That's why the New York Mets signed Tim Tebow. It was clearly to fill some seats in the butts for their minor league people. And on the off one in a hundred chance that he made a major league roster, it would be great to play him on Sunday night, Sunday night baseball. Tim Tebow was never going to play a day of major league baseball. He knew that the Mets knew that. What I mean is when I say he is Mr. White privilege is that he's given that opportunity because of simply who he is because he is the clean cut white guy. I'm saying this is a, is a fat white man from Kansas who lives in Kansas. Look, he got that opportunity because of who he is. He's a sweet guy. There's no denying it. You can't say anything bad about the human being, Tim Tebow. I won't even say anything bad about the, about the man, Tim Tebow. Okay? I'm not a fan, but I will never besmirch his name as a person. Great guy. Yeah. But only got that chance because of his name. And that's a goddamn shame because everyone knew that guy wasn't playing Major League Baseball. No! It's a gimmick. It's simply a gimmick. He's, I mean, that's like Shaq in the WWE. I mean, what's the difference? <laughs> you know, I, I guess Shaq's in AEW. That's, I guess that's what it's going to be. They're on TNT. But, yeah, I, what's the difference? You all sell some tickets. Great. Great. You know what? And I, again, I'm a business guy. Make your money. I'm not going to begrudge you that. There's a lot of ways to sell tickets, folks. Oh, man. Tim, I saw the Tim Tebow. I love the way I saw the article. It read Tim Tebow retires from <laughs> professional baseball. <laughs> look, look, let's be uh, again. Let's talk about Mr. White Privilege, Tim Tebow. Okay. He didn't retire from baseball. He was told that you're not going to make a team this year. And there probably isn't going to be much minor league baseball. So you need to go figure out another lifestyle, another part of your career. Tim Tebow's on ESPN on game day. He does a good job. I mean, oh, and and, you, and you actuality too. Um, ESPN was holding him back a bit. They because uh, of his baseball career. They wanted to put him on a bigger platform, but as long as he was playing baseball, they really couldn't. So now he goes from one thing to now he's probably going to get a promotion at ESPN out of all. Yeah. 
could you would you be surprised if Tim Tebow is the guy that replaces Kirk Herbstreit at one point? No, uh, there's a there, there's a an old man on there that acts pretty senile that puts on headgear that I don't think is going to be lasting too long either. Uh, yeah. Oh, and, and now see, I know where you're going with that, and I got a lovely Corso, but um, I I know who I would have replaced Lee Corso with a couple of years ago, and that would have been Les Miles. Um, I mean, this coach would have been great at that job. They tried less on TV, and he was just yeah. They, he, he was he out. He wouldn't give it a chance to be himself there either, though. Uh, he, yeah. He's got a personality. He couldn't show it where he was at. But um, you know, Tim's yeah. going to be just fine. I mean, he's yeah. going to get a promotion with always- He's going to get a promotion with ESPN. You know, he, he's still going to go be remembered as one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. Won an NFL is- playoff game. I mean, uh, no one should be feeling bad for Tim Tebow. No, absolutely. No one should feel absolutely bad. And you know what? I guess I, I have my little nickname for him. I, I don't want to offend anybody by that. I don't <laughs> want to drag politics into this. You know, and I think the guy's a hell of a guy. I think that if you were the father of a woman his age, you, that's the kind of guy you want your, you want your daughter to marry. You know, that old, that old adage. Right. Great guy. I'm not going to disparage. Like I said, don't disparage the man. Do you He's hold also, any? one of the greatest quarterbacks ever saw at the college level. Do you hold anything against him for trying to play baseball? Should, should he have even done it? No, I really don't. I hold it against him. I, I, don't, I don't hold it against the Mets. I understand it both ways. I just think that he got the opportunity because of who he is. Sure. Um, you know, uh, the last person to get an opportunity like that was Michael Jordan. And Tim Tebow is not Michael Jordan, obviously. <laughs> uh, you know, that's the same deal. What's the difference? Tell me the right. difference. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and, and so, but I, to yeah, me, it so was. I, I don't hold that against them. You make, hey, I, I'm never going to be against someone getting all the money they can if they're not hurting somebody. Right. He didn't hurt nobody doing that. Right. I can sit here and go, well, Mr. White Privilege got a position that somebody else could have gotten, maybe. But he also does put some butts in the seats that. Frankly, nobody else at that level is going to do. So there's a give and take there. The win-win for both the organization and for the player. The Mets, God bless him. I just Mets, think it's hilarious that he announced his retirement yes. in professional football. On the Mets, they kind of needed the money. They were desperate for yeah. cash at that point, too. I, well, they don't need it now. No, no. But at the time, uh, it would <laughs> turn out to be actually a decent investment uh, for how broke yeah. Mets were at that point, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, a good guy. Didn't tell uh, me before I like that. I, I wish Tim the best. Uh, you know, I have nothing against Tim Tebow. I've always liked Tim and such, and and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what this next chapter holds. But everything is going to be just fine for Tim Tebow, I'm sure. But it was a very interesting experiment. Now the. You know the the story on Tim Tebow as it's his athletic career is now complete um, is a fascinating one. I'll be very intrigued down the road when we see the thirty for thirty on Tim Tebow of you know former college quarterback, you know Heisman Trophy winner, two time national champion, uh, you know very religious of course, and you know short NFL career but had the playoff win. And now this baseball experiment, I mean, uh, this is one of the more unique sports stories. Uh, and, and we all had a front row seat for it. Uh, everyone knew. You didn't even have a sports fan to know who Tim Tebow is. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and I do think it's 
I think there's two 30 for 30s that you need to have around Tebow. One, one on him would be fascinating to find out more about him. If, if the things we learned back when he was in college, if all that's really who he is and kind of see how he's grown as a man, it would be interesting. It would be very interesting. You know, it's more interesting to me though is the Florida Gators teams. Oh gosh. Yes. That's a better, that's a better 30 for 30. You've got Percy Hernandez, Harvin, the Pouncey brothers, uh, you got Cam Newton was on that team before he got kicked off yeah. for the laptop incident. I mean, him and Tebow were freshmen together. Right. You know, so that's what you need. We need to see a 30 for 30 on the Urban Meyer Florida teams. That's what we need. And you had Urban Meyer, or you had, uh, you know, Urban Meyer, uh, you know, oh, uh, uh, Charlie Strong was on that staff. Dan Mullen was too. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of characters. That's that needs to happen. We've been saying that for a long time. That was quite the story, that Florida team. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it is weird though, just to think about that. We are, you know, ending the book on on Tim Tebow. This is it. You know, I mean, yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it was a gimmick of this baseball career, but you know, it is. Interesting to think about. Well, that's it now. That's that's it. it. It was, you know, when he when he got caught from the NFL, it was all right. Well, what's next? When uh, you know he was let go by the Broncos, you know, went to the Jets. All right. Well, what's next? What that's going to look like when he left Florida? Okay, what's his NFL career going to be like now? It's uh, all right. Well, that's just it. That's just over with. So that's why I look at kind of big picture with Tim Tebow. It's bigger than even just the end of his baseball career. It's really just the end of his athletic career right now. Yeah, I think you're right on that. And then I think the other piece of it to think about is if you look back at Tim Tebow, he's sort of this great creation of ESPN and, and, and CBS's coverage of the of the SEC and but he's just he's just like created if almost like creating a lab kind of thing. Yes. And it's like we've we've drawn every bit of blood out of the stone we could athletically out of him now. And now we've had to see him move on. It's almost like an athlete from the early 1900s. You know, a I don't want to say he's athletic like Jim Thorpe or something like that, but a, a person who plays multiple sports and really kind of does that a necessity. Right. I mean, it wasn't like he was the greatest. I mean, he's not a great baseball player at all. Uh, I mean, you could watch – I saw some of him play. He was awful. Uh, I better than I would ever be, but he wasn't a great baseball player. Um, you know, wasn't a good NFL player. Right. I mean, so he was a guy who was kind of created in a way through hype and, and who he was. And, you know, uh, I just, you know, hey, perception he's and, a lot of money. Perception and reality. Money, two, perception and reality were two completely different things when it came to Tim Tebow. Yeah. Oh, I agree 100%. And, and I, you know, he's made his money now. Good for him. I hope he, hope he has hung on to it. I hope he makes a ton more. Hey, Tim Tebow, if you hear this, God bless you, bud. I hope you make a million more, a bunch of millions of more dollars. He's going to get opportunities that, that he, you know, for the rest of his life because of who he is. And, and you know, and, good uh, for him. Hey, I'll, I'll always have 2007 as an LSU fan when we beat him in Tiger Stadium. 
So and he's very good always on, be that. He's very good on TV too, by the way. Uh, yeah, he, he oh he's got he a finally smile, got over that. Smart. He finally got over he, that breathing thing. He was always breathing real hard on TV. He finally got over that. So good for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I enjoy watching Tim. Hopefully, he uh, he, he kicks out course so soon, and and I would not mind seeing more Tim Tebow. In all honesty, on television. Yeah, I, man, I, man, my Lee Corso is my man. He, he should he should have retired long ago too. I, been, I, I love me some Lee Corso. Oh, he can wear he can wear it. They, they should let him do it from home if he has to. They did let him do it from home but, this year, and they still have. I mean, like to, 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 like for the next few years, let him do something. You know, he recorded early in the week. Right. Send a couple of people over to his house, you know, we can figure sure. it out. Sure. Yeah. No, you know, no, I, I, yeah. But he's, yeah. I, I like I don't that. Know. It, it's, I, yeah, it's going to, I think Tim's going to, Tim Tebow is going to get some opportunity, whether it's, you know, higher up at ESPN. I can see Tim Tebow being a, an analyst on Monday Night Football. I can see Tim Tebow being, you know, there's all sorts of things you can do with a guy like that. You know, it just, you know, I, good for him. Good for him. He got his money. He got to do, have some fun and play baseball. And the other thing I can't take advantage, take it uh, away from him is that that's kind of how he would act. <laughs> you know, I'm a 45 year old man. If I, if you told me, hey, you want to go play double A baseball, and I was just good enough to do it, hey man, I'd, I'd go do it. It'd be fun. Why well, not? If you made that money, I, I don't know, Bo, if you're you're taking those bus trips. You know, but there there's a fun time to it, though. I, hey, Michael Jordan did it. I mean, that's yeah. The only person I can compare him to in that way is Michael Jordan, and not athletically, clearly. But and I mean, in the fact that he got that position, got the opportunity. Hey, if he had fun with it, God bless. MJ would have made it in the majors if he wanted to stick with it too. He was on that way. I don't believe that for a minute. <laughs> I don't believe that for a minute. He was on his way. He would, if he would have stuck it out, I think he would have. Uh, yeah, baseball is too much of a skilled sport. <laughs> That's that is true. You're not wrong about that. Yeah. All right. Before we get out of here today, time for our town full story of the week. Uh, this is where I hand things over to Bo, as uh, he'll uh, he'll fill in for Tom and uh, tell us something ridiculous happening in the world. Where are we going? Where are we going to okay. this time? First off, Bo. It it looks like we're going to the Ukraine. I've never been. No, I've never been either. And, man, y'all going to have to help me on some of these names, man. All right. After leaving the road. Okay, let me read read this. This is on – what is this website here that you sent me here? Okay, uh, this is on oddityscentral.com. This is is, uh, the date on this. This is uh, February 16th, 2021. Here we go. After having the road to his home blocked by heavy snowfalls, a Ukrainian man decided to call police and confess to a fictitious murder in hopes that they would clear the road in order to reach him. According to police sources, on Saturday, February 13th, an unnamed man from the village of Grybova Rudinya. Oh, God, please don't get me on this. Uh, in, a, in, the, in the Ukraine, I'm not even going to try the region name here phoned the national emergency number and confessed to a gruesome murder. He said that he and his stepfather had gotten into an argument and he ended up stabbing the elderly man repeatedly in the chest with a knife. The victim had collapsed and was not breathing. 
the self-confessed attacker added that he was willing to turn himself in if police could reach his home. <laughs> the Ukrainian man had seen heavy snows and the roads had indeed been blocked for several days. So the murderer advised policemen to bring a snow plow if they wanted to arrest him. A team was dispatched to the village to bring the self-confessed murderer into custody. And because a snow plow had cleared the road earlier, they made there in their patrol car. When the officers reached the reported scene of the crime, they expected a gruesome scene, but were instead treated to a quaint village home. The caller's stepfather was indeed there, but he was in one piece with no knife wounds to complain about. Upon questioning, the so-called killer confessed to reporting a fake crime. <laughs> oh, I, this is great. I... <laughs> Why has no one ever thought of this in Lawrence, Kansas? <laughs> this, I, I can see this happening to Pickett, Kansas. I can see that in Topeka. Right. <laughs> you know, here's a thought I have on that, Bo. Um, part of me thinks this guy was in his mind thinking of, man, I really hate my stepfather. This is what I would like to do to him. I'm going to come up with this in my you know, my mind, even though I'm not actually going to do it. But this is what I would like to do. Well, I don't think it was necessarily that. That more than he just had to get away from this man, clearly. Yeah. And so if he, does, he, he was probably thinking, if I don't kill you, I would at least rather go to jail for filing a false report. Right. But at least get me the hell out of here. And the only way he'd get out was to break a snowplow. So I got to give him a 10 on creativity here. Yeah. I would have never thought of that idea. That's pretty incredible. Clearly, he can't stand the step, his, uh, his stepdad. Do you have you ever seen the old movie? It's not that old now, but uh, The Italian Job of Mark Wahlberg? I've not. Okay, so there's a scene in the movie, big guy's talking to Mark Wahlberg's character, and he says, there's three things you don't mess with in this world. Mother nature, mother-in-laws, and motherfucking Ukrainians. <laughs> and this has got me, this is what this reminded me of. <laughs> I don't know that you can keep that, but if you do, God bless you. <laughs> keep that. We'll keep that. Uh, and, and disclaimer, we have nothing against Ukrainians uh, whatsoever. Oh, absolutely not. It's, it's a quote. It's a quote. Right, I'm... right. <laughs> For the record. Yeah, I just want to make that clear. Oh, my um, God. Oh, my God. That is awesome. This is this is the best thing. When I do get to, to come in here for Tom, this is my favorite part, is Tom Foolery. I don't know how Thomas does this every week without just dying in laughter because I'm about to lose it. So... Now, whenever you're ready, let's say goodnight. <laughs> right. Um, now, the, the the stepdad thing. You know, I, I've heard some some stories about some bad stepdads and such like that. Um, you know, to, to get to a point too that obviously this guy's you know a little bit older of some sorts. Um, how do you not just? get away from him sooner than having to get to that point. Well, I think that was the thing. He was trying to get away before he committed a murder. 
when realized he needed a plow. Yeah. I, I, again, I, I got to give him uh, an A plus on the creativity and the idea. Yeah. I, oh my God. Just, I have a stepfather and I, I really like my stepfather. Well, that's good. I can see that a, a father in law, I can see that more, more aptly happening. Not my father in law. I like my father in law. He's great. Right. Like if you're listening. Wink. He's been my guy for years. Sure. Yeah. So, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I, I do not. Uh, have but, a, uh, oh, I don't have a stepdad and I don't have a father in law. I'm not married, obviously. Um, yeah. But but Bo is somebody that has been married and has to deal with the, the relatives and all that. Um, you know what, what's the saying that when you uh, you marry the wife, you marry the family. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. The, the the stepfather thing. It's uh, you don't have a choice. I mean, you you just kind of you you're stuck yeah. with whoever your mom picked. Yeah, your mama just brought somebody home. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's it's strange how that works sometimes, and everybody has different experiences with step parents. And um, I didn't get step parents till I was in my twenties, so I really don't have that in my life. But uh, I mean, there there are people who I do talk to, and there are people that I love and care about. But I, I mean, they're not my mother and my father; they're, they're my stepmom and my stepdad. Right. Um. But it's yeah. But you do when you marry somebody, you do marry the family and. Uh, especially if you're a man, you better keep that in mind because there's not, it's not always going to be easy. Um, and hey, it ain't always paradise for them either. So keep that in mind, especially if you have a son-in-law like me. So <laughs> yeah, I, I hadn't always been the easiest to deal with. So, but no, I, this is hysterical. I just can't imagine some Ukrainian guy sitting around going, "How am I going to get out of here? I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill." That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna call and say I killed him. They'll bring the snowplow out, and I'll get out of here. You know, it's like he thought halfway through the plan, right? He got halfway through the plan, and then didn't realize he's probably gonna get arrested for filing a false report. If I'm the cop, yeah. you know what I would do if if I followed up on that. I would say, you know what, dude, that was so creative and so funny, and we all have you know crazy family to deal with. Um, you know, we'll, we'll let you off with, uh, with something easy, you know, yeah. warning or something like that. You know, I, I applaud the effort on your front. Just don't do it yeah. again. Yeah. I would just, I would just go in and say, Hey, look, let's just give this guy uh let's, let's, let's get him a quick bond, get him quick out of here. And then, uh, let's let him go home or go where he's going to go. And then, uh, Hey, let's just give him some community service. That's about it. That's all we have to penalize here. Right. But, and then. Then we're going to think twice about uh, our snow plows in the future, how we use them too. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to think about who are we going to kill here? Yeah. Oh, this is well, that's a really good. I, I like that story. That was good. That was good. On that note, we got to go. Uh, big thanks yep. to uh, Soli Ingalls for stopping by and joining us and uh, appreciate him uh, for being here on the Jones Report. He has uh, certainly been a, a great guest over the years and such. I'm glad to have him back again. Subscribe to the show, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. New episodes each and every Wednesday. Um, the post-game report, we enjoyed doing that through football season, and that will be back in September, the uh, Monday show, back to just Thursdays. For now, got a lot going on. So, uh, but we'll be back with the post game report when a uh, football season rolls around. So, 
Uh, you can check that out then. And uh, follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, uh, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, uh, and uh, TJ Media Group, Instagram, Jones underscore report, Tyler Jones Live. You can find us there. Bo, uh, before we uh, run here, uh, thanks for filling in, jumping in today. And uh, we, we always enjoy the uh, time, uh, as always, man. And uh, we always uh, love promoting uh, O'Connor Advisory Group, too. Glad you guys have been on board with us for a while. Hey, hey thank you. Thanks for having me. I've always enjoyed, I enjoy jumping in here and doing these once in a while. And uh, yeah, uh, thoughts with Thomas. I know it ain't serious, but hey, we just... Man, I hope that uh, stay warm and stay good. Stay, stay good there. Hey, can I give a shout out to somebody real quick? Yes, go ahead. I want to give a shout out to one of my buddies, one of my best friends, Barry Kingry, BK. It's his birthday that's coming up on Friday. Uh, I want to send him a shout out. And I know he listens to the Jones Report from time to time. He loves my segment. And uh, he's an old friend of mine, old assistant coach of mine at Veritas. So big shout out to BK. And uh, hey, Jonesy, thanks again for having me in. I really appreciate yeah. it. This is so much fun. I enjoy this. We have so much fun doing this. This show is therapy. You know what I mean? We, we have, <laughs> I, I, it is a nice getaway. You know, I do now uh, five hours of TV, five days a week now. And uh, th- this show is uh, a nice way to uh, just relax and talk to you folks, the folks out there, you know, and, and uh, I enjoy it. And it's uh, it's a thrill. And we'll continue to do so as long as we can. Got to run. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. For Brian O'Connor, Sully Ingalls, and Tyler Jones, thanks so long. This has been another edition of Jones Report. See you next week.